This week on Geeksplained, there have been many Robins over the years, but one stands tall above the rest. Tim Drake. And in the finale of Geektober Gotham Knights, we'll discuss why he is the greatest to don the red and yellow, alongside special guest and current Tim Drake Robin writer Megan Fitzmartin. Welcome back to Geeksplained. I'm your host, Eric Kazana, and today's episode is the finale of Geektober Gotham Nights, the month-long series where we dedicated each week in the month of October to one of four Gotham Knights to celebrate their roles in the brand new Gotham Knights video game. We did Nightwing, we did Red Hood, last week we did Batgirl, and this week we are rounding out the quartet with Tim Drake, Robin. And I'm really excited because not only are you going to be getting the full Gotham Knights uh, treatment that I've been doing for the rest of this month where I'm giving you the full character breakdown, their history, and some additional reading, we're also interviewing Megan Fitzmartin, the current writer of Tim Drake Robin. And I didn't even plan it this way, but scheduling-wise it worked out. We're also doing this on Tim Drake Robin Day. You can pick up the latest issue of Tim Drake Robin as you are listening to this episode right now. The synergy is just everywhere throughout this podcast, and I don't even intend it to do that, but it was pretty cool that the timing worked out that way. So I'm very excited to share this interview that we had with Megan Fitzmartin. She was wonderful, incredibly insightful, and we just got to gush about Tim Drake, alongside good brother and fellow Geeksplained book club co-host Jacob Brown. We're both very excited to chat with Megan Fitzmartin. I cannot wait to share that chat with you. We also have, of course, this week's Comics Countdown, where I'll chat you up about all the comics you should be picking up this week alongside Tim Drake Robin number two. So make sure you stay tuned after the jump for that. But for now, let's roll right on into the main event, the main course, the entree, if you will, as we round out Geektober Gotham Nights by doing a full retrospective on the greatest Robin of all time. So join me as I geeksplain Tim Drake. notice me. 
So like most people my age, I was introduced to Batman through Batman the Animated Series. And specifically, and I've told this story many times, especially last month when we did uh, Saturday Morning September, I remember distinctly my first episode of Batman the Animated Series being Robin's Reckoning. I had never been introduced to Batman before. I didn't know what his deal was. But after watching that episode, I got what Robin was. Robin was me. Robin was you. Robin was us. The kids, the fans of comic books that dove into fandom and dove into characters like the Batman and wanted to fight alongside them, wanted to be part of their adventures. And for a very selected special few, they got to fulfill that dream, becoming Robin. And even though Dick Grayson is my one of my comfort characters and is, I think, still the greatest character to ever be created for comic books, I was enamored with a version of the character that doesn't actually exist, right? It's been widely documented that in the uh, Batman the Animated Series when they were creating the character of Robin, they didn't want to give Dick Grayson his costume. They didn't want to give him the bright yellow cape, the hot pants, the pixie boots. So they decided, hey, you know what? It's 1992. Let's just ape the costume from the current Robin and give it to Dick. And it worked. I was immediately on board and I didn't find out until much later, just how different Dick Grayson's Robin costume was and has become throughout all of the different redesigns. But I always loved the look of Robin in Batman the Animated Series. And it wasn't until I found out later when I started to get into actual comic books that the aesthetic of the Robin that I loved so much wasn't even the aesthetic of that Robin. It had been aped from the current Robin who was kicking ass in the late 80s and throughout the entire uh, decade of the 90s, my birth decade. Whew, still feels weird. And that was when I was introduced to a character called Tim Drake. I would later go on to find out about Tim through the Batman, the new Batman adventures, which again was taking stuff from a, a different Robin and slapping them onto a different Robin. But as I got into comics and as I grew older and as I started to really dive in to what being a sidekick was, what uh, Robin was, and Robin's impact on not just Batman but on comic books as a whole, I became enamored with Tim Drake. Tim was a character that I got to see go through the ringer from issue one and as I started to get more enamored with Tim, I, you know, I did the same thing that we all do when we are going through, uh, going through comics and learning more about them and specifically about the Robins. I started comparing them. Uh, there have been several different Robins. I actually did a whole breakdown way, way back in the early days of the podcast, ranking the Robins and, 
you know, it's it's as I think natural as breathing air to uh, compare these kids and to f- try to figure out, in your opinion, who is the greatest Robin of them all. But as I started to continue to read comics, my first crisis was Infinite Crisis when I started reading comics and. That had a big effect on me because I got to see how that affected everybody. The whole uh, genesis of 52 as a series was to show the fallout of that while also telling a new story. The one year later is the grandest concept that I've seen done in uh in comics while still keeping its own continuity. I think comics should do it more often. Do time skips. Don't immediately tell us what happened. And throughout me growing up, throughout me growing into, you know, my teenage years and even into my adult years, Tim became a comfort character because as I started to grow older, I started to relate to this kid more. Yes, Nightwing is... I think the ideal for myself and a lot of people, and I think that there is something to be said about a character who has established themselves and has, you know, given everything to to become a hero in his own right. But as, you know, as a lot of us experience, there is a lot to live up to when it comes to even just day-to-day you know in our lives whether it's you know getting promotions for people who worked before us uh whether it's trying to live up to family expectations whether it's trying to live up to your own expectations and no one has been weighed down more by expectations both internal and external than timothy jackson drake wayne and in this episode i think there's no grander way to finish off Gotham Knights, Geektober Gotham Knights, than to put the spotlight on who I do truly believe is the greatest Robin of them all. We can discuss, you know, post-Robin careers, but in the role of Robin, I do truly believe that Tim stands above the rest. But, again, subjective. So this week we are diving into Tim Drake's backstory. We're going to give you the character profile and the full character history like we've been doing the past few weeks with the other members of the brand new Gotham Knights video game, which I have been playing, and it is chef's kiss i know that there's been a lot of you know backlash towards the game for you know the 30 frames per second and it's not like arkham and it's all this stuff but as a game itself i think it's hella playable and i've been having a ton of fun just running around as characters who we don't get to usually play as tim drake for all of the time that we've had in Batman games and Arkham games is very seldom playable in actual story content. And so getting to run around with him, I, I've i been on a Tim Drake kick, so when the game dropped this past Friday, as of this recording, I took the option to play Tim in the opening uh, tutorial mission, and I freaking loved it. I really, really did. And genuinely, that uh, Jim Lee-designed Nightwatch skin for tim drake it's what he's wearing right now in the comics and i love it so much and i will be playing with 
that character and with that skin for the rest of the game. So I am very excited to dive into this. We are going to be doing just like uh, the previous weeks, the full character bio history but instead of giving you a specific spotlight on a book that i think you should read i just brought in the writer of the book i think you should read megan fitzmartin will be joining me alongside my geek explain book club co-host jacob brown to go over the character talk about her process writing him and just answer some of the burning questions we've had for her as she's become kind of the steward of the tim drake ship so very excited to share that with you so without further ado let's get into this character profile for timothy jackson drake wayne uh his aliases include robin red robin batman and drake uh his first appearance was in batman number 436 way back in august of 1989 that's right just like me tim's a leo he was created by Marv Wolfman and Pat Broderick, and his team affiliations include the Bat Family, of course, Young Justice, the Teen Titans, Batman Incorporated, the Outsiders, and specifically in the comics, the Gotham Knights. Uh, his powers and abilities include peak physical conditioning. He's a martial, ma- ma- master martial artist. Ge- he has a genius level intellect. He's an expert hacker and an expert tactician and strategist, and very distinctly setting him a, you know, setting him uh, in a league of his own when it comes to the Robins. He is a master detective, not unlike his mentor, Bruce Wayne. His equipment as Robin includes an armored tunic, as well as an emergency R-Shuriken that he can use whenever he has been stripped of the rest of his equipment. As Red Robin, he has a Nomex fire-resistant triple-weave Kevlar lined costume and an armored cowl with infrared lenses. Across both identities, he has a collapsible bow staff, utility belt, and his trademark Birdarangs. Now let's get into the brief history of this character because even though he is the newest of the four characters that we have been spotlighting this month, this boy has been through a lot. Oh boy, has he. Uh, He was originally born to Jack and Janet Drake and was born very specifically into the same tax bracket as Bruce Wayne. So he comes from a wealthy background. As a child, he was a huge fan of the circus, specifically Haley Circus, due to their star act, the Flying Graysons. He was always front row whenever the Flying Graysons came to town. And through his fandom of these characters, he became especially a fan of the youngest member of the Flying Graysons, young Richard Dick Grayson, and followed his progress watching the 90s equivalent of YouTube videos and all kinds of footage that he could. And this fandom of Dick Grayson was basically the genesis of everything that happened to Tim as he as it would pertain to his crime-fighting career. Tim was there in the crowd when the Flying Graysons unfortunately fell to their deaths, leaving Dick an orphan. And as he started to get a little bit older, at around age eight, he started noticing, hey, his other big fandom, Batman, which had been a vigilante in his home city of Gotham, had a partner now. He was smaller, most likely a child, wearing a bright yellow cape on a red and green tunic, and he called himself Robin. And as he started to watch Batman and Robin on their adventures, he started to notice something. 
This kid Robin was real acrobatic. He could do flips, he could do dives, he could do spins, and very specifically, he could do a triple somersault. Now, that's not as uh, as bland as it sounds. All of us, I think, could get on the ground right now and just roll three times. Specifically, he could do what we in the biz call the 630 senton, doing a front flip three times in the air before landing on an enemy, and... Through Tim's research, he knew that there were only a very select few people in the entire world who could pull off that move, and only one that seemed to be in the age range of Robin. And that was the moment that Tim Drake realized Dick Grayson was Robin, which meant his legal guardian, Bruce Wayne, was Batman. Now, he kept this quiet because he's a good kid. And his he kept the secret of Batman and Robin for years, even after Dick Grayson left the role as Robin and moved on to become Nightwing. A new Robin popped up, who Tim assumed was Jason Todd, as the kids started to pop around anytime Bruce Wayne made a public appearance. And then he observed as the death of Robin shook Batman and his Bat family to his core. Post Jason Todd, Batman began to develop a mean streak, getting a little bit more violent, a little bit more vicious with the criminal underworld. And Tim correctly deduced that this is a problem. Batman needs to have someone there to curb his violent tendencies to balance him out because this Batman is not the Batman who is supposed to inspire hope and is supposed to bring justice to Gotham. So Tim made the trek to neighboring cities until he found Nightwing. He approached Dick Grayson telling him that, hey, look, I know what the deal is. I'm not going to expose your secret, but Batman is in a real bad place. So I need you to go back and be Robin again. And Dick is like, Dude, I just became Nightwing. Like, I'm not doing that. I'll go help him out, but, like, I'm not I'm not going to be Robin. And this, you know, put Tim in a pretty bad conundrum because he realized that Batman needs a Robin. And just having Nightwing pop in part-time wasn't going to do the trick. And unfortunately, we saw that Nightwing wasn't much help in this specific instance because he, alongside Batman, got captured by Two-Face. And though he wasn't specifically trained in any kind of crime fighting, Tim took it upon himself to steal Jason's original Robin costume at the behest of Alfred, by the way, and helped to rescue Batman and Nightwing from Two-Face before finally triumphing over the villain. Following this, Batman accepted that Tim could be Robin. However, he wasn't going to just hand the role to him like he did with Jason. He wanted to do it the right way this time. And so... Tim began a training period as Robin, months and months and months of training to properly step into the role. However, during this training period, a villain by the name of Obeya Man uh, attacked Tim's parents, killing his mother Janet and paralyzing Jack, sending him into a coma. Uh, Tim was able to get through this and helped Batman to defeat Scarecrow 
finally achieving the role of Robin and being given a brand new Robin costume. As I stated before, the Robin costume in Batman the Animated Series is Tim's original Robin costume. And specifically, it was made with all of the past Robin experiences in mind. Batman gave him a much more armored costume. We're not talking like Titans level of armor, that Nightwing costume. I just, I can't, I can't. I can't, so I won't. This costume was made to be bulletproof. It was given extra special protection. There were no pixie boots, no hot pants. This boy got full-on leggings, gentlemen and ladies, and everything in between. And I love this costume to death. I still do. I still think any time that a, a creator puts... Tim in this costume it's just it's it's chef it's chef's kiss it's amazing I love it uh however his training was not done just because he had achieved the role of Robin he wasn't done learning so Batman sent him overseas to finish his training now Tim traveled through Paris and Hong Kong and during that ended up teaming up with Lady Shiva the deadliest assassin in the world to fight King Snake and his cult of snake worshippers finally finishing up his training and returning to Gotham Batman swore him in as the brand new Robin though he warned him if you ever run up against the Joker or Two-Face run in the other direction he knew how dangerous these two were and did not want to put tim in the harm in harm's way when it came to them now tim didn't get a whole lot of time to adjust to being the new robin before nightfall happened uh, he was introduced to Jean-Paul Valley, the former Azrael who had just recently been liberated from the order of saint dumas and the two had a uh, had a brief team up they were I think reluctant friends at first. Batman knew that Jean-Paul needed some guidance and knew that Tim was a guiding force. So he said, you know what, Robin, you're going to train him to be a proper crime fighter who doesn't stab people with a sword and kill them. And so Tim took on uh, Jean-Paul Valley and the two teamed for a while. Uh, they teamed up quite a few times. And in one instance, when Batman was indisposed, Tim gave Jean-Paul the Batman costume for the evening as a temporary measure to go fight Killer Croc. However, as Killer Croc escaped into the sewer, he found himself confronted by a new player in Gotham City, Bane, who would go on to orchestrate a gauntlet run for the caped crusader and his merry band, breaking open Arkham Asylum and letting every single criminal back into Gotham. Uh, Tim was involved in apprehending Bird, one of Bane's uh, lieutenants, as well as the ventriloquist, Mr. Zaz, Firefly, Riddler, and very notably, Two-Face, who had a score to settle with the young hero after being thwarted earlier in his career. Uh, following this, however, Batman, who had been exhausted by the prior gauntlet, was broken by Bane and forced to at least temporarily retire. Batman passed the mantle on to Jean-Paul Valley, who he saw a lot of potential in, but sometimes potential doesn't always equal greatness. And as Azrael fell further and further into the Batman role, his former programming from the Order of St. Dumas began to kick in, and he became what we colloquially know as Azbats, going insane, kicking 
everybody out of the cave and dismissing Robin, basically telling Tim, I don't need you anymore. Bruce did return from getting his back repaired, but knew that he needed to train before confronting Asriel. So he told Tim to hold the fort down and he would be back. Thankfully, Tim had other things to focus on while this was all going on, including his very first relationship with a girl named Ari. Uh, During this time as well, he began clashing with a, we'll call him D-list, generously, uh, supervillain by the name of Clue Master, and he met a young vigilante named Spoiler. Stephanie Brown was soon revealed to be the Clue Master's daughter, and the two teamed up to defeat the Clue Master. He also teamed up with the Huntress to help fight against the growing crime in Gotham. Somehow, Asbats, being vicious and nearly killing criminals, did not stop crime from happening. Weird. Night's End then approached as Bruce, following his training, returned to take the mantle back. This resulted in a big clash, a big clash in the middle of Gotham City as Tim and Nightwing and the rest of the Bat family fought against Asriel before forcing him back to the Batcave where Bruce was able to reclaim his mantle. However, Bruce knew that he did need a little bit more cooking. He needed to recover a little bit more before fully taking the mantle back. So instead of leaving Gotham without a Batman, he passed the role to former Robin and current Nightwing Dick Grayson. The prodigal story is really, really fun. It's the only time where Dick Grayson is Batman and Tim Drake is Robin, and it is not talked about enough. Prodigal rules. Uh, I'm biased because I love any time that Dick Grayson is Batman, and when Dick was Batman under the pen of Grant Morrison, it's my favorite period of Batman comics. But this is a very close, very close second, because having the two of them, it's basically, you know, two brothers running out into the city and fighting crime, and I really, really dig that. However, his whole uh, his whole career as a crime fighter got a little bit more complicated when Jack, his father, returned, having recovered from his coma, recovered from his paralysis, and he did not want Tim to uh, leave his sight. He was paranoid. And so it became increasingly diff- more difficult for Tim to sneak out every night since he was once again living with Jack to be a superhero, to be a vigilante. Uh, he continued his battles against the Clue Master as well as new villain Ulysses Armstrong and Killer Moth, everyone's favorite Killer Moth. And he also, during this time, met a young clone of Superman named Super. Boy. This kicked off a period of Tim's life that I call crisis after crisis because <laughs> pretty soon after this, the contagion event happened where a full scale uh, infectious plague hit Gotham like a truck. Uh, after this, the final night. Uh, event happened where it looked like the sun was going to be snuffed out, sending Gotham and the rest of the world into an endless winter that would freeze them all to death. During this period, he met young speedster Impulse, noting that they worked really well together as well, and had his first kiss with Stephanie Brown, which made it real complicated because he was still dating Ari at the time. Uh, Following this, he began a second uh, pilgrimage across the world to continue his training, uh, knowing that 
things were real complicated in Gotham. Uh, he ended up taking a trip back through Europe and clashed with Shiva once again, actually dueling her and defeating Shiva. Ladies and gentlemen, Shiva is the most dangerous woman, most dangerous person in the entire DC universe. She is the deadliest assassin in the world, and Tim beat her. Enough said. Uh, this led directly into the Cataclysm event, which, again, sucked for literally everybody. A huge earthquake hit Gotham, and messed it up real real bad um during this time tim realized that he had feelings for stephanie and broke it off with ari with the two agreeing that they were just growing in different directions and tim began his relationship with stephanie however very notably during this time uh, stephanie revealed to tim that she was pregnant by a previous uh her previous boyfriend and the two of them decided to stay together through Stephanie's pregnancy. She gave the child up for adoption, and the two continued their relationship. It was a really great uh, gauntlet for the two of them to go through and strengthen their relationship this very early on. Uh, this led directly, of course, into the No Man's Land event, which might go down as the best Batman event ever. I think it's it's if it's not the best, it is very much up there. Um, I I love No Man's Land. It rules. It it it's just it's incredible. If you haven't read No Man's Land, uh, following the Cataclysm event, No Man's Land involves Gotham being split up into several different territories, ruled over by different uh, rogues from the Batman Rogues Gallery, and the. Bat family basically has to turn into both a paramilitary team and first responders to deal with all these threats. It's a great, great use of the entire Bat family. And I think one of the reasons that it does rank so highly in Batman events is because it puts the spotlight not just on Batman, but basically tells you why the Bat family is necessary and why Batman can't do this alone. I love the event. During this, Tim did end up clashing with Ratcatcher and Mr. Freeze and also got caught in the middle of a gang war between Killer Croc and the Penguin. And it's during this time that Tim was introduced to Cassandra Kane, who would later on uh, become the next Batgirl. Following the events of No Man's Land, uh, Robin ended up teaming up with his acquaintances Superboy and Impulse to form Young Justice. They were very quickly joined by Wonder Girl, Cassie Sandsmark, and Arrowette, and the team was fun. Very, very fun. However, um, Tim, you know, he's an angsty teenager, so he quit the team twice, came back both times, both to very different status quos for the team. Unfortunately, his time with Young Justice wasn't meant to last, as during the graduation day event, uh, several characters across both the Young Justice team and Teen Titans were killed. This result... This uh, resulted in the dissolution of Young Justice as Tim, Connor, and uh, Bart were brought into the fold by Cyborg to create a brand new Teen Titans. This Teen Titans roster included Superboy, Kid Flash, as Bart had upgraded from Impulse into Kid Flash, Wonder Girl, Cassie Sandsmark, Starfire, Cyborg, and Beast Boy, with occasional uh, drop-ins by Raven as well, and they moved their base of operations to San Francisco, West Coast, Best Coast, am I right? Uh, he then began 
attending the Louis E. Grieve Memorial High School, which is where he met his two best friends, Bernard Dowd and Darla Akista. Uh, it's during this time as well that Jack discovers Tim's secret as Robin, and unfortunately, uh, he forbids Tim from becoming Robin ever again. Tim is forced to retire to placate his father, and during the very tumultuous time stephanie steps up and becomes the new robin though to very poor results i think for everyone involved uh this leads directly into the war games event which results in not just the death of stephanie in the role of robin but also the death of tim's friend darla darla is targeted by a local drug uh lord and is assassinated and this drives tim to become robin again to seek justice uh following this Tim rejoins the Teen Titans just in time for them to be pulled into the future and deal with the Titans of Tomorrow, where he finds out that in this future reality, he becomes Batman. And not just Batman, a gun-toting Batman, ruthless to the core and leader of the new Titans. Make sure you pay attention to that. That's a special tool we'll save for later. This brings us into another period that I call dot 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 after crisis because more crises are on the way for this poor boy. Uh, specifically, this kicks off with identity crisis where his father Jack is killed. Uh, Jack having recently just accepted that his son could be Robin and the two of them having a better relationship than ever. Uh, identity crisis was unfortunately the event where everyone's personal lives and secret identities were compromised and Jack was killed by and I would say over the hill Digger Harkness with Jack killing Harkness in the scuffle as well. Following this, uh, Tim became once again under the guardianship of Bruce just in time for a brand new player to hit the scene in Gotham City, that being the Red Hood. Now, Red Hood was later revealed to be Jason Todd and during a very personal confrontation in Titan's Tower. Uh, Tim battled Jason among the statues of fallen Titans, and even though Jason did end up winning the fight, he left Tim alive, saying that Tim had earned his respect. Following this, infinite crisis happened, because this poor boy just can't get a break, and during the event, his best friend Connor, Superboy, was killed. Uh, following this, Tim was officially adopted by Bruce as he and Dick Grayson followed Bruce across the world to re basically uh, recount Bruce's journey to become Batman. Returning to Gotham with a brand new costume as a tribute to his fallen friend Connor, Tim was framed for murder and later found out that this was orchestrated by Cassandra Kane, who had given up the role of Batgirl to become the leader of the League of Assassins. Uh, the Teen Titans found itself rebooting once again with a brand new roster and it was later revealed that Tim had not been handling the death of his best friend well as Cassie Sansmark Wonder Girl found out that he had been trying to clone Connor to create him to bring his friend back. Uh, the two shared a grief-stricken kiss, though they acknowledged that this was in a time of distress, and I think appropriately realized that this wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything that was going to move forward. Uh, this also was the time during which uh, the Batman and Son uh, storyline happened, where Tim was ambushed by a little ankle biter named Damian Wayne, 
who was not happy that Batman's sidekick was not his flesh and blood. Uh, the two battled several times during this event. At one point, Damien stole Jason Todd's Robin costume and nearly killed Tim in the middle of the Batcave. Uh, this led into a battle with Rachel Ghoul, with the two uh, being forced to fight to decide who would be Rachel's new host body uh however the two triumphed and left with a uh, grudging respect for each other especially after damien seemingly died at the end of this uh end of this particular story stephanie then returned seemingly from the dead though it was revealed that she had been uh basically taken into hiding by uh, Leslie Tompkins, who faked her death so that she could have some semblance of a normal life. However, Stephanie had returned as the spoiler and once again began uh, aiding Tim in his crime fighting, the two of them working together as a team and rekindling their romance. Unfortunately, this was as good as it got for Tim at the time because shortly after this, the Batman R.I.P. and Final Crisis events took place with him essentially trading his mentor Bruce Wayne seemingly killed to get his best friends back <laughs> because during Final Crisis both Superboy and Impulse were revived with Bart having been killed earlier on during this uh, one year later period so this put Tim in a very uh, awkward place. Uh, he, following the Final Crisis event, battled with both Jason and Ulysses, who had brought with him a new costumed identity, the Red Robin. Uh, following the defeat of Ulysses, Tim took the costume because it looked cool and he saved it for later. This also led into his second duel with Shiva, which he won again. Everyone who calls Tim the weak Robin just because he's the smart Robin needs to actually read the comics because Tim kicks ass. Uh, this also led into him finally getting closure with the Obeya Man, bringing him to justice after defeating him in a duel. Closing the book on justice for both of his parents, especially his mom. This also led into the Battle for the Cowl event, where Tim fought against Jason, donning the Neil Adams Batman costume, and unfortunately getting his shit rocked by Jason before being stabbed in the chest with a battering and left to die. Tim did thankfully survive this and was witness to Tim to Dick Grayson's ascension into the role of Batman, and was unfortunately told, hey, look, we had a great time as Batman and Robin doing Prodigal, but you're too old to be Robin, and I need to take on this kid, Damien, who, surprise, survived the boat explosion, and he's going to be Robin. I trust you too much as an equal to call you my sidekick, which is both great and also not great because it gave Robin, you know, or gave Tim Drake no role. Thankfully, Tim had a very new role already lined up for him. Conspiracy theorist! Because Tim believed that Bruce was still alive due to several pieces of evidence, including cave drawings and artwork. And though no one else believed him, Tim decided to head off into the world to find more clues, taking the Red Robin costume that he had kept in storage and becoming Red 
Robin. This led into a series of events that I call Tim Drake's Indiana Jones period, where he traveled around the world looking at artifacts, becoming an architect while also battling against the different factions across the globe. Uh, During this time, he also struck up a brief romance with Tam Fox, I believe the youngest daughter of Lucius Fox, as well as was witness to Stephanie Brown stepping into the role of Batgirl, the two of them having, you know, brief romances here and there, but ultimately breaking up every single time. They were star-crossed lovers after all. Uh, This led into the Grail event, where Tim teamed up briefly with Rachel Ghoul to battle the Council of Spiders before, of course, coming into conflict with him, with Raish giving him the moniker of Detective that he had saved only for Bruce previously. The Blackest Night event then occurred where it was revealed that Tim was right all along. This body that had been fished out from Darkseid's lair during Final Crisis was in fact an imposter, and Bruce was still out there, which led into the return of Bruce Wayne event which saw not only Bruce's revival, but also his return to the role of Batman, becoming a global Batman and teaming up with Red Robin on a few different occasions. Bruce then established the Batman Incorporated uh, company, which instituted a Batman in every single country, with Tim being kind of a floater, going all around the world in his new role in the brand new organization. Tim then found himself back in the good races of the Teen Titans, teaming up with a revived Connor and battling against the Calculator. And though things seemed to be going well for him, both of his best friends were back and he had his mentor figure back. Say it with me, the good times were not meant to last because the New 52 happened. New 52 being the company-wide reboot that reset a lot of things and changed even more, including Tim's origin. A big ol' retcon for the boy, as we found out in this new reality... Tim never figured out who Batman was and was instead just a uh, rich kid who was very gifted in acrobatics and martial arts. And uh, trying to figure out who Batman was ended up hacking into Oswald Cobblepot's bank account, knowing that it would bring both the Penguin and the Batman to him. Uh, The Penguin did predictably, I think, retaliate, invading the Drake home and trying to kill not just him, but also his parents. Uh, Batman thankfully rescued everybody, but unfortunately due to the Penguin's wide net of connections, Tim was forced to go into witness protection alongside his parents. His parents left him behind in the care of Bruce Wayne, and this was how Tim became not Robin, but Red Robin, because in his estimation i guess he thought that robin was too sacred a title because jason had died and only wanted to be red robin let's just let's put the stamp on this this origin sucks it's bad it's stupid it was unnecessary and as the uh as we'll get into later this origin was left behind and forgotten because again it's awful Uh, During the New 52, Tim would find himself establishing a brand new Teen Titans roster, the first of its kind in this new continuity, though not, I, it's, it's dumb. Continuity is dumb in that, 
in that period of time. Uh, they battled against the organization Nowhere that wanted to not just capture but weaponize metahuman teens and ended up establishing this new Teen Titans roster with Wonder Girl, Kid Flash, Superboy, Skitter, and Bunker. The Death of the Family event happened where Tim was captured by the Joker and tortured. However, he was able to successfully escape uh, the Joker's torture alongside the rest of the Bat family, though it did cause friction between him and Bruce because of the potential of Joker knowing their identities and Bruce not telling anybody. Uh, following this, uh, Tim was possessed by the spirit of Trigon, though it worked out in the end. It's a, again, this Teen Titans run is not very good. However, this Teen Titans group did go up against the crime syndicate, specifically Johnny Quick, an evil version of the Flash, and it was actually a very good, uh, very good event tie-in. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, this led into the trial of Bartor, where it was revealed that Kid Flash Bart Allen was not, in fact, who he said he was, and was instead a criminal from the 30th century. Uh, following this, uh, Bartor was found guilty and sentenced to spending the rest of his life in exile and shortly after this the titans disbanded they would reform a couple times to middling success though the team was not meant to last uh this would lead into the robin war and court of and fighting against the court of owls which brought him back to gotham brought him back into the fold of the other former robins and that's really it for Tim's New 52 stuff. Again, not a solid, not a good period of time for Tim Drake as a character. However, things would start to look up because we got the Rebirth event where his origin was retconned yet again, aligning closer to his original uh, pre-New 52 origin. This uh, was during the period of the rise of the Batman. Specifically, and I think this is hilarious... Uh, as part of Tim Drake's Gotham Knights protocol. I called them way back in the Rebirth era when that started off. I was like, no, the Batman, I hate this. They are the Gotham Knights, and I would refer to them as the Gotham Knights. And it's just funny how things go full circle. So I am just going to take credit for the title of the new video game. That's me. I am taking credit for it, even though... James Tynan was the one that wrote the Gotham Knights protocol into the comic. But I am taking it. I am taking credit for that, and if James wants that credit, he can fight me for it. Uh, this led into a clash with Ulysses Armstrong once again, as well as Jacob Kane, the father of Batwoman, and resulted in Tim's apparent death uh, at the hand of a drone firing squad. It was actually not as silly as it sounds. Uh, it was very dramatic, and I love this period of time. I love this Detective Comics run. Uh Though, we found out that Tim was not, in fact, killed. He had been displaced and trapped by Mr. Oz, a not at all mysterious person who, uh, I just, I feel really, I feel really bad because I, I don't want to dunk on this, but bringing back Jor-El as Mr. Oz was really dumb. Um, it's just, it was dumb. It, it didn't really serve a purpose. Um, the character wasn't, you know, who he needed to be. And I'm not saying, oh, it had to be Ozymandias, but I mean, come on, Jor-El, Jor-El, what purpose? Anyway, 
Anyway, uh, Tim had been taken out of time because specifically Mr. Oz said he needed him off the board, though it's never really discussed why. (laughs) It's never really followed up on why he took Tim, which I think is hilarious. And Tim was uh, trapped in Mr. Oz's prison for a good long while until he was freed unexpectedly and ended up teaming up with a similarly trapped Batman to fight against Doomsday. He then found out that this was not the Batman that he knew, this was not Bruce Wayne, but it was actually the Titans of Tomorrow, Tim Drake, who was Batman brandishing twin pistols and was ready to throw down. Uh, The two ended up clashing for a bit before Tim was able to more or less talk him down, and as the two began to escape... The future Tim told him, look, I know that terrible things are about to happen to you, and if there's any way that anything that I can tell you that you need to do, make up with Connor. To which our Tim replied, who's Connor? And this, you could see just the equations going on in future Tim's head. His mind was blown. He He realized, holy shit, this is a new continuity. This is a new timeline. I can change things. I can make things better for this kid. And maybe that makes things better for me. So this resulted in Bat- in this Batman going rogue, taking out Tim, and declaring war on the Bat family, specifically on Batwoman, who he said would be the catalyst to the fall of the Bat family. Uh, thankfully, they were able to defeat this Tim Drake and send him back into the time stream, though... It was really all for naught because the Gotham Knights did end up disbanding due to an event that saw uh, Batwoman have to kill Clayface, Basil Carlo, uh, which was really sad for everyone, especially me, because I loved this team and I never wanted it to end. Uh, Following the conclusion of the Gotham Knights storyline, Tim decided to leave Gotham and decided he didn't want to deal with all of this anymore. He didn't know if he wanted to be a superhero. He didn't know if he wanted to be just a regular kid, but he knew he didn't want to do anything here. So he left Gotham with Stephanie and hit the road. Though, as he started to try and figure out what his new life would be, the itch in the back of his skull that he didn't recognize this Connor person, that there were obviously things that he didn't know that weren't lining up when it co- when it came to the continuity of everything. He and Steph made a pit stop at the Hall of Justice, where he contacted Zatanna and was able to get his memories restored, restoring everything about the former Young Justice team, about their adventures, and resetting him back, thank God, to the pre-New 52 status quo, where he's a sad boy with coffee in his veins, and he has all of his memories, and he's the best Robin. Uh, Following this, he ended up reuniting with Connor and Bart, with all three of them re-establishing Young Justice alongside Cassie, uh, New Hero Amethyst, Teen Lantern, and Ginny Hex. This group would uh, travel the multiverse, leaving Steph behind for now for her to go and do her spoiler thing back in Gotham, uh, where they came across a lot of things, including the young, the evil Young Justice from a parallel Earth where Tim Drake was known as Drake. 
Tim decided this was a great idea, and so for a short, very brief time that everyone rightfully forgets, he went by the moniker of Drake with an ugly brown costume, and it was terrible for everyone. Thankfully, this period did not last as he returned to the role of Robin with his good costume, and just in time for the Joker War to happen, where Joker basically pulled Gotham down around the ears of Bruce detonating his fortune and trying to kill everyone he loved and trying to destroy everything he held dear. However, thankfully, Robin was able to team up with the rest of the Bat family and defeat the Joker, though this left not just Gotham, but also the Bat family in shambles, and Tim had a brief retirement, deciding that he needed to figure his life out. Which brings us to Infinite Frontier and the last section of this history. Uh, Tim decided that he didn't want to do uh, the normal life anymore. He was having trouble trying to figure out what was missing in his life or what was not adding up for him. So he quit the Ivy University he had been accepted to, broke up with Steph, and returned to Gotham to be a part-time Robin anytime uh, Damien was out of town. Uh, this resulted in him running afoul of a cult, a chaos cult, uh, that was trying to bring about a chaos monster and kidnapping uh, notable teens to sacrifice them to this chaos monster. And this was when he was reacquainted with his former friend, Bernard Dowd, with the two of them striking up a friendship once again and Bernard inviting him to dinner. However, Bernard was quickly kidnapped by this chaos monster, and as Tim went to rescue him, Bernard made a uh, Bernard made a quip during the rescue that, if I don't make it out of this, can you tell Tim Drake that I really wish that we had been able to finish our date? And this was when Tim had a breakthrough. That the thing that had been holding him back, the thing that had been missing in his life, and the thing that had been causing him undue stress was the fact that he was having a crisis of identity. That he hadn't come to terms with his sexuality. And Tim realized he's bisexual. And that brings us to now. That brings us to the Tim Drake Pride special. That brings us to the current Tim... Uh, Tim Drake Robin series and that brings us to Megan Fitzmartin who has been at the helm for SS Tim Drake since last year. Uh, I will give you a brief additional reading before we dive into this uh, interview. I loved having this chat with her. Uh, five books that I think you should check out if you are interested and want to learn more about Tim. Uh, Lonely Place of Dying is his origin story, his uh, first big dive into the deep end when it came to the Batman family where he becomes Robin. Robin Reborn is his first solo series, the first solo series series of Robin ever. The character was created in 1940, the role at least, and didn't get a solo series until the 90s, which I think is wild. But this Robin uh, series is incredible. Red Robin is also great. Uh, this is the post-Final Crisis where he goes globe-trotting and runs afoul of Council of Spiders and Ra's al Ghul. Uh, Detective Comics Rebirth, the rise and fall of the Batman, has been uh, collected in a full omnibus, which I love to death. It is a wonderful, wonderful story uh, that I would recommend to literally everybody and did a 
big course correct for Tim Drake as a character because uh, just like myself, James Tynan IV loves Tim Drake. And then finally, uh, the Pride special and his new solo series, which we will be talking about in this interview. So without further ado, let's roll the interview with Megan Fitzmartin. And now, with Tim Drake's past out of the way, we are going to be diving into his present and his future. And I'm joined by uh, a pretty pretty special guest. First off, I have been joined by my fellow Tim Drake lover, the man who has been with me through most of my comic book knowledge, and he's been uh, my co-captain on this trip throughout the last couple of years on the podcast. Uh, welcome Jacob Brown, co-host of the Geek Explain book club. Hello everyone. This is quite exciting. <laughs> and I know I already mentioned it at the top of the podcast, but he's not the only guest we've got on. I want to give a big welcome to a very special guest, current wonderkind in dc comics and absolutely crushing it in the new stewardship for tim drake as a character uh megan fitzmartin welcome Hi. to the podcast thank you so much for having me thank you yeah, yeah we're really stoked Yay. <laughs> yes, uh, we, <laughs> all right. <laughs> jacob has been giddy since i sent him the email about hey are you available next you know thursday to to talk to Megan. He's like, I'm not, but I will clear my entire <laughs> schedule. This is happening. I'm is I'm happening. honored to be here. This is this is the kind of love and appreciation and adoration that makes me uncomfortable. So I'm happy to <laughs> Yes. Yes. Well, yeah. we'll start uncomfortable it's, it's our and motto here break into <laughs> what makes you tick as a person. So love that. Love we're that. gonna get all into it. Um, we like fantastic. to shower you with praise before we let you down with how bad we are at interviewing. Thank you. So. Oh no, not at all. I, I've, I've done my fair share of interview podcasts as well. Uh, so I, I like in terms of my own, just, I, I used to do a comic book podcast as well. And so it, I, oh, nice. I understand the sort of like the pressure that goes within that. Um, I, I'm happy to be here. Please just punch. You guys are being very nice to me, which I, uh, I'm, I'm not used to. So thank you. <laughs> well, we, we are, we are a positive space, or at least we, we try to be sometimes. Thank we, uh, yes. we try to do our best because comic comics can be a really, real nasty place sometimes. So. Sure. Sure. I mean, I'm also the oldest of five kids, so it's more so just like, <laughs> yeah, being, being the oldest sibling there's is nothing not fun. The, there's nothing the internet can say to me that like one of my siblings hasn't flown at me half-heartedly. <laughs> That's way worse. Way worse. Siblings do a great job at prepping you for all of the shin kicking you're going to get. That's what, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you are currently the main... I guess the the captain of the Tim Drake ship right now. <laughs> you have been crushing it since really Future State Thank from last you. year, and uh, we're really excited to talk to you about some Tim Drake. Obviously, this whole episode is dedicated to him, but I did want to get into some questions about you before right. we get into Tim Drake himself. Absolutely. Uh, so you've been writing for a long time. Did you always want to be a writer? So my degree is in church ministries. So yes. <laughs> my, uh, my background, I was going to be a youth pastor. Um, I, I went oh. to school for that and wow. Uh, wow. took a bit of a turn. Um, but my, my heart and soul has always been to 
tell people that they are loved. That is why I wanted to be a youth pastor. And while I was going to school for that, I realized through a course of events that stories were how I knew like that I that I found myself that I knew how to love others that I knew how to connect with people and realized that through that I really wanted to be able to do the same thing for others I wanted to tell people at the end of the day no matter what no matter who you love who you are you are loved and you belong and so it's a the the genesis of that has has sort of taken many many turns but ultimately my focal point my my guiding star has always remained the same that's super cool um yeah. now when it comes to writing what what would you say is like your favorite thing and are there themes that you always kind of come back to when writing stories in different genres i love making it sad making it <laughs> sad's my favorite <laughs> oh man I, I, the, I guess the, the segues you... into this because my, my partner, my fiance now, it's going to get weird to say. Yeah, congratulations. Um, well, thank you so much. <laughs> um, she's, a, she's a big Supernatural fan. And ah, yes. I know you served I, in, the, in the writer's room for quite <laughs> the for a few years there. Quite a bit, yes. <laughs> um, is there, when it comes to writing Supernatural versus writing for comics, is there any shared DNA between how you approach writing for DC and how you approach writing in Supernatural? Absolutely. So I am a strong believer that all story boils down to character. All good stories should always boil down to character. And building out from that, you just learn rules of the world. So the building blocks of DC and writing comics is the same as the building blocks for writing a show like Supernatural. You start with the characters and you start with the emotions and you start with the heart and soul of who these people are. And then they fight monsters or they're fighting (laughs) demons or they're fighting whatever. Like those those pieces you learn. You learn the rules of the world, no matter what a character like where a character lives. Um, But it you have to know how to write character. You have to start from the heart. It's it's interesting to me, like making kind of making that jump. Is there any like, are there any like stark differences between how writing for TV and writing for comics? Because we see a lot of crossplay between those two genres nowadays. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely different mediums. So mm-hmm. it's focusing. I tend to have a, a I, I write in in let's say four different types of mediums, right? Live action, animation comics and audio and those are four very different areas and you're writing to four very different not even audiences but four very different groups um if i'm writing for live action i am writing to hundreds of departments i'm writing to costumes i'm writing to props i'm writing to set deck i'm writing to the actors if i'm writing an animation i'm writing for to the um the storyboard artists and I'm writing to the voiceover actors. I'm writing to the animation director. If I'm writing comics, I'm writing to my editor and my artist and my colorist and even my, my um, letterer. And so being aware of who, who's going to be reading the, the script that I'm, that I'm sending out um, and always trying to convey those ideas as succinctly as possible. I don't always do the the best job, but that is sort of the focus. And 
within comics itself, comics is because it's a, it's a bunch of static pictures. So focusing on the most important picture from a scene that needs to be drawn rather mm -hmm. than like a, in live action, you're focusing on the most important line of dialogue you're focusing on the most important sort of scene or setting or something along those lines so it's figuring out what the most important thing is and also figuring out who you're writing to gotcha yeah that's wow that that actually puts a lot in perspective which is crazy yeah uh you mentioned animation i i have to get this out of the way because you wrote one of my favorite animated films from the dc vault justice society world war ii you i co-wrote that with the jeremy adams who yes. is writing on flash yeah oh, i'm very proud I, of this. i'm i've been loving that flash that flash book this yeah. week with the pro wrestling issue was i'm oh, i'm a big pro wrestling fan so i'm like uh, could, i'm an easy mark yeah listen if you could do me a favor and like low key like don't tell jeremy i just i mean tell him but like be cool well, about he doesn't need he doesn't he, need he does listen to this podcast so no <laughs> yeah, we may be sponsored no. like, I, I think he's wonderful and i he runs on red bull and good faith and i i need i just if we can all not tell him that he does an amazing job he like he knows it he knows it. he does he absolutely does but, all right well well Whenever Keep we have him on, that we'll make sure that you said you. middling to nice things about him. No, that sounds right. He'll 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 nod and go, yeah, that that checks it. out. That sounds yeah. like Megan. <laughs> we used to we worked on Supernatural together as well, and our offices were right oh, next crazy. to each other. That's so cool. So we that's would just cool. shout at each other half the time, just shout through the walls because those walls were made of paper. That that does sound. From <laughs> my writing friends that does sound like a writer's room so yeah yeah were you Absolutely. just shouting out rewrites basically just going like, back <laughs> and forth, going like yeah we gotta rewrite c37 it's like oh yeah i got that done it's like oh yeah okay cut that it line was partly, Thank well, you. partly that we also got told that like we would be potentially writing for dc at the same time so oh, wow. we were like shouting at each other going can you believe that? No, <laughs> I can't believe this. Should we tell them that we're that we're crazy? No, don't tell them anything. Just like <laughs> shut up, shut up. It's better for them to learn that as you go. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it was a lot of yeah. It was it was a lot of that. So awesome. when you're writing, when you and Jeremy were writing uh, JSA. How was how was it writing for that team? Because it's DC's first superhero team. They don't get as much love as they should. How was that kind of for the both of you, you know, constructing that team and really like telling that story? I mean, we were sad we couldn't have more people from the team. There's so many really cool characters from the JSA that we were like, yeah. could we add that? Could we add this person? Could we add this? Um, and so like, I'm, I'm really happy with the team that we ultimately landed on, but I was like, there's so many other people. I keep trying to, I keep emailing them being like, do you want us to do another one? We could do, um, Give us but six. yeah, it was honestly, yes. yeah, I mean, I'll watch six of them. <laughs> Thank you. I, I'm a big uh, JSA Mark. Please. So give me more Jay Garrick at any time. Yeah. Oh Absolutely. yes. Oh, I love Jay. Like it was, it was really fun. And it, Jeremy's such a, like he's such a fun and uplifting person and he was really a great guy to work, work on it with. Um, yeah. that, yeah, it was, it was a great time. I had a blast. 
Hell yeah. Do you have a a favorite JSA member? Ooh. From the movie or from, like in general? I would say in general. In general. The okay. whole, every roster. Yeah. From every roster? Ugh. I mean, the problem that we're running into is I have favorite stories from each one. I think I love... Mm. I think I love... I mean, I love uh, Black Canary. Like old yeah. school Black Canary is amazing. Ooh. She's so cool. Dinah Drake, yeah. Yeah, Dinah's yeah. amazing. Um... I mean, I'm always like real giddy whenever there are any female characters. I get really excited about that. So, like, especially in an old fashioned team like that, too. <gasps> that generally is sort of what I get drawn towards is the like, <laughs> I, very refreshing. I, I realized when I was like, when I got older, I found myself because the one of the first comics that I was, uh, I ever read was um, Birds of Prey when Gail Simone was writing it. And oh, yeah. oh. I like, in my head, I was like, there are tons of women in comics. What are you talking about? Like, this is great. Because I just surrounded, I just, I, like, right. subconsciously would find my way towards. And, like, I, I watched uh, Justice League, the the animated TV show. It's one of yeah. my favorite, favorite shows of all time. Mm-hmm. And Hawkgirl was, like, my absolute favorite character. And then was like, what do you mean? Yes. This is different than the comics. Because she, <laughs> what are you, what are you talking about? We so, mean this isn't the blueprint yeah. for every single adaptation. What are I we? mean. She's so great. I love her so much. Do I have? I don't know if you can see it. My, I have yes. a, a Funko Pop Please. Of, of her. You have a really somewhere. impressive library. I was gonna say, like, <laughs> yeah, we I have really like, impressive shelves in the hallway. But I was like, oh my god, that's like an adult what? library. Adult we rearranged <laughs> my my partner and I rearranged my uh li- my like library area um because they yes. were sort of all over the place and he was like ah. no 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 it's a feature you have to put that shit together <laughs> um yeah. the 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 downside though is that like my my extensive comic book collection is hidden away in my in my bedroom because it's all boxes and he's like this looks bad we need a better way <laughs> to just like to show them off than just your loads of boxes that came across the united states with me when i moved from florida to la yeah that's i i did a very similar move from arizona to la so like sure, yeah loading the comics up it's like oh my god where am i gonna put these and all the bookcases are made for actual like book sizes yes so it's, it's a, awful they're not thinking of us they're not they're not it's it's a shame. they never do yeah uh, they never and they never do absolutely not mm-hmm. a travesty <laughs> so let's let's get into the uh the, the main event this guy here this timmy timothy jackson drake wayne that's uh, right i want to ask you do you sweet disaster do you remember... boy oh the, he is <laughs> peak disaster boy yes regardless of like who's writing him and i think that's something really endearing about the character uh-huh yeah, like yeah. this we, weird. We like... all got the briefing. We all got. Yeah. We all know what an absolute. There's a folder that everyone yeah. passes around. <laughs> what an absolute disaster! Our sweet favorite boy. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Sad boy. Sad, yes. sad boy. Sad disaster. I mean, my boy. favorite. Obviously, the yeah. best Robin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, obviously. Yes, we World got her to say it. She said the thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, clip that. That's going to be. I know. Uh, yeah, it's added to the library now. <laughs> I somebody asked me the other day. They were, I think it was at New York Comic Con. They were like, "So, who's your favorite Robin?" And I was like, "That is a trap question," and I refuse. It's always a trap question. 
It's a trap <laughs> question because they're all great. Like they're I grew up with all of them. Yeah. I think you were gonna ask like my very first Tim Drake, um, which I believe was um Batman the Animated Series. Uh, yes. We, yeah. So awesome. We didn't we didn't have TV when I was growing up. I grew up very sheltered and we had like a monitor, but we didn't have like access to TV or anything like that. Ah. So by the time I started to like watch sort of what was part of the cultural context at the time, Tim was the Robin. It was season four of Batman the Animated Series and yep. Tim was the Robin. And yeah. so I was like, oh, okay. So this is just who Robin is. Who's this yeah. Nightwing guy? And then I had to like go back and learn a little bit more uh, comic history. And was like, oh, okay, I see. Um, but yeah, I think he was the first Robin that I actually ever met. That's so cool. And, th- and then to go back and be like, oh yeah, they have three seasons of a prequel to this one season. That's great. I know, yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, this is super helpful for me personally. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's been this this tumblr status quo for tim in the last few years where it's like he just survives literally off coffee yeah, and nothing else yeah, and I've i heard. feel that so hard it's, <laughs> it's I incredible mean, I, i've said this before and i will say this again until kingdom come but i believe fully that every robin sort of exists as a as a representative to the generation that they were created in and totally agree Tim is absolutely the the millennial generation. He is the burnout generation. And yes. that is why I think I got asked this question at, at New York Comic Con. Um, but it it is why I think so many people specifically at our age connect with him because it's like, oh, yeah, no, he was the one that was told he'd be Batman. Like he'd figure it out himself. He was sort of raised to be in this position. And then Damien he was the gifted over kid. He, he was. Yeah, absolutely. He's the gifted kid yeah. who experience burnout and is like so what do i do with my life now like i i succeeded and and yet the world doesn't have houses for us like it, it, yeah. there's no jobs there's no housing yeah. there's like the the economy is continuously crashing like what do i do and yeah i think uh i think tim drake especially sort of represents that that uh malaise Absolutely. I think that that was one of the things that the uh, the Rebirth Detective by uh, Tynan did so well was like to really yeah. be like, yeah, Tim's burned out. He doesn't want to do this anymore. Like yeah. he's he's mm-hmm. looking past this. Yeah. It's like it's that whole, you know, child actor thing where it's like, yeah, yeah he kind of wants to just go to school. I mean, I don't even think he wants that. Like in the same run, Tynan was like, he was like, I don't even really want to go to college. Like his, yeah. it's this like, I don't yeah. know. I did all of the things. I did all the check marks. I I crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's. And like, I don't think I wanted that. And it's the same thing with like, I think about his, his turn in Robin in, in the Robin mantle. Like it's not, it's, he chose it but he did it for someone else in the same way that like i think our generation Mm -hmm. has done a lot for our parents and we're like well we've had to do this for you um Mm -hmm. and don't know necessarily like his whole thing when he started was like well batman needs a robin so i guess that's me yeah and like that is that's rough that's that is a lot of trauma to sort of process and deal with when you when you are literally putting yourself your mind and body through the ringer constantly for your parental figure and yeah you get to a point where you're like but why why?" like uh, i have to live for me at some point 
Yeah, Absolutely. And exactly. he's he's kind of like the the kid in high school who joined the football team because his dad played oh, at absolutely. his high school. And then now yeah. he's just kind of walking around with the Letterman jacket still. But like, the Letterman there's... jacket is somehow too big for him. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. They only have like... size large. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's he's like, did I size. shrink? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> I had that problem in high school. I'm I'm five five. I know you you can't tell I'm not gigantic, but like <laughs> I in in high school and we had our our wrestling team and I they were all out of smalls mm. and the only things they had were large and extra large. So I that like well analogy is so perfect. Yeah, yeah. It's it really does. It sort of it it's that be dress for the job you want, right? Like people yeah. always say, dress for the job that you mm. want. But there is a counter to that, right? In that, like, therefore, if we dress for the job that we want, we are whatever we are wearing does have a psychological effect on us, even yeah. if it is not always positive. And what is that like? How does that connect to it? And and what does that look like for for each person? And like, yeah, I think it's I think it's really telling for Tim that like, I don't know, I, I in in the Pride special. Uh, certain clothes just don't fit because he's trying to figure it out like he's trying and Belen did such an amazing job I was wondering if that was an intentional choice because I I remember reading that and it's those little things that you kind of notice but you're like but they're not going out and and just like outright saying it so it must just be like an artistic choice but that's so cool yeah yeah but that's like that's an intentional like because he's he's dealt with I mean he's really only had I guess two big monikers. We can, we can also count the Drake, the Drake sure. side story. I mean, we can. for a little bit. <laughs> it's like half-heartedly. It's, it's like it's like Fantastic Four Springs. Ultimates. Yes, like, we, we can go. count yes. that that exists. <laughs> He sure. went down to Palm Springs and got a haircut <laughs> yeah, for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, 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 exactly. For a week, yeah. and then he came Who's back. Who among us? Who among us hasn't gone to Vegas at one point and is like, "So I'm changing my name to Jessica, and I I need you all to accept me." <laughs> Just for the weekend, though. When Just we for get the back. weekend. No, no, no. I'm not fully gone, but. <laughs> so, is there something that to you kind of speaks to? We we've covered a lot of it, but is there something that speaks to you about? tim being unique amongst the other robins and i guess kind of as the bat family as a whole because they're it's a whole family of like of gifted kids who have gone every single direction whether they've burned out like tim whether they have literally burned out in an explosion like jason todd like is there something that makes him unique to you and something that draws you to him as a character yeah, I mean, I there are so many elements to Tim. I remember going through. So whenever I got the call from Dave Loges, uh that I was going to do a Tim Drake run and a story run in, in Urban Legends, I was like, oh, I need to, like, I'd done some reading for Future State, but that was very intentionally, like, forward-focused. And yeah. so he was like, well, what story would you want to tell with Tim? I was like, okay. Uh, that's a good question. I'm going to go through and, and like re- refresh my memory on what I think it is. And um, I read a ton of, of my favorites. A lot of the stuff I read um, James's run on uh, well, with Tim, really, because uh, I know he loves Tim and yeah. really dug in mm-hmm. on 
on it and it, it just there was so much about myself I kept sending stuff uh, I kept sending like screen caps to uh my best friend Lauren being like I can't believe that this person is me I can't believe Tim Drake is also me um just the, the self-sacrificing he's so yeah. he's such a like anything for for you like anything for the family even like he'll do anything for his family and is slightly emotionally um repressive which I don't know anything about but it, same here yeah right oh no i don't know her couldn't be I, me. couldn't be couldn't could never um but once again i think the reason that that is so true for so many of our generation is because he represents the generation so calling him different than any of the other robins is sort of like yeah of course he is because he represents a completely different generation that like is and that's what makes him unique in the same way that jason represents the like the ones before us and, and the generations before us. And like yeah. each one sort of like, that is also why it's, it's always a trap to say, which Robin is your favorite right. because they're, they all represent such an amazing, important piece of humanity and an amazing, important piece of generations that like the whole reason I would argue we're in the current political climate that we're in is because we, we pit them against each other rather than saying like, what are the benefits that each one bring and how important they are to the whole of the family that is Batman. For sure. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating that he has kind of become that comfort character for so many people Yeah, because of his relatability. And even like that, kind of that crop like him stephanie cass like at least over the last like 10 years i've seen a huge like influx of people like no this is my character this is my comfort character this is me in comic form and i kind of love that i also think that a large portion of that is because like the 90s and early 2000s were 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 rough for (laughs) a time for us as people (laughs) But also Bridge. for those characters, yes. like I, one of the, like I got into a lot of the Batman stuff through um, No Man's Land. Yes. What a, Which yes. Was a rough time for literally Whoa. everybody. <laughs> I Whoa. mean, yeah. I love it, but like, woof. Um, <laughs> and I think that there's also the, that particular element that like brings us all to them as comfort characters is that yeah. like, oh, they've all experienced trauma in the same way that like our generation has experienced 9-11 and, yeah. and, 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 yeah. and, 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 like they keep getting hit over like across the head yeah. with all of these massive yeah. events that everyone always makes fun of DC or Marvel for having, but like. That is what our it, lives have yeah, been. Yeah, it's, it's echoing the real world. It's like, yeah. I, I am so tired of living through like historical events and I can't imagine Absolutely. all the crises that my, Tim and the Bad Family yeah, have to go through. My like, life oh my to God, not yeah. live through unprecedented times. Like <laughs> fully, if I never hear that word again, I don't. Yes. I, what I'm, if we just uh, call all of them crises? All our, of like, them are crises. Our COVID crisis, yes. our Trump crises, <laughs> our... Yeah. Exactly. Well, and it's funny because, like, because I I'm a voice actor, and so like, oh, nice. the amount of auditions that I have to do, where it's like in these times, in yeah. like the past two years, has been obnoxious. <laughs> yes. But like, <laughs> it's it's weird that we've gone through like we had a whole contagion event. We've like we've gone through. Yeah. Like, yeah. We're waiting for no man's land, essentially. And mm-hmm. LA, especially, man. I'm like, sure, oh man, some of the earthquakes we've gotten now. a couple years yeah. ago. Oof. 
But yeah, I, I go back and forth between LA and London and the benefit oh, that's, of that's amazing. It's it's not too bad. And the benefit <laughs> of the benefit of London is that I uh I don't I'm I get to not worry about the earthquakes. I yeah. like I see them on Twitter and go, oh, huh. Huh. Go about my that, daily life. Wonder what that's like <laughs> while I'm here in Metropolis. <laughs> yeah, this exactly. Is great. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard. Yeah. <laughs> So you mentioned you did some uh, some extensive research when you were getting ready to you know dive into Tim. Do you have any favorite Tim stories from his catalog that you kind of go back to? I mean, I No Man's Land. We talked a little bit about it. Yeah. That was a big part of it for me. But like, also, I started reading comics around the time of the two main ones that really like solidified my love specifically for the bat family and helped me understand sort of everybody's place within it. Um, Cause once again, I'm from a big family and like, you can understand me not knowing that, but you will understand me more knowing that I am the oldest in a family. Yeah. You understand Tim more when you know where he fits into his family. And so I think the two specific that like have been, and and were really influential in my understanding both of like comics in general but from tim was um war games where bernard like where i knew bernard from and then um Ah. the the uh bruce wayne murderer run yeah and then becomes bruce wayne fugitive i love it i love it so much we did a we did a whole um when on the comic podcast that me and uh, my my co-host, a good friend of mine who loves comics, all ran for a while, I dragged him into reading it because he'd never read it before. And he's like, what is this? And I was like, it's the greatest thing ever. It's so fun. It is, it is full of dynamics. It's just pure Bat family joy. And like, yeah. that is, yeah. that's one of the ones that like where I first like really understood where Tim belongs in this family and who he is in existence with this family. And um, yeah, it was like him saying maybe Bruce did kill her. We have to think about that is like, yeah. So, so rough. Yeah. It kind of be the one who's like, Hey guys, I know we're like, we want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but like, have we thought perhaps like we we do have to think logically (laughs) about this yeah he's always been the logical one out of all the robins yeah 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 Yeah, absolutely he's 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 that donatello where he's yeah yeah Yeah. he has he has the curse of being the smart one oh gosh does that make jason michelangelo Oh like my god. Raphael, no, Raphael, you're one. right. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. not not I get I'm bad. I get those two mixed up because I can't remember orange and red. Um yes, <laughs> no, Raphael. Jason well, is absolutely Raphael. Though I guess like in that analogy, I don't know if I could see Damien as a Michelangelo. So, so maybe question. he so maybe he is, is Michelangelo. I, is maybe Damien would be Raphael. Or Michelangelo. See, that's what I'm saying is that Damien, like, Damien is very I think angry. has to be Raphael. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Jason could Jason could be totally fine if you just gave him a pizza. I, I believe that. I think yeah. we need to see a scene where he's just eating pizza <laughs> off to the side to put the concrete stamp <laughs> on this. There's definitely like some strong Wolverine energy oh with Jason God. where he's just 100%. like sort of walking around being yes. like one of my favorite clips or one of my favorite panels is from the joss whedon yes um, are X-Men. you a beer 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Beer? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I like beer. And I'm like, that is absolutely sometimes what Jason is thinking. I like beer. I like pizza. I'm like, that's great, Jason. It's like, that is that is your personality. You sweet, that is, that you is sweet enough. Boy. You've you've lived through actual death. You're fine. That's absolutely allowed. You you deserve that pizza, my you, friend. You earned an extra slice, bud. You did, absolutely. You did this. Congrats. Love that for you. Yes. <laughs> So like what's you like, like soldiers of fortune you. over here pretty much? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes indeed. Uh, so with with Tim, you mentioned uh Future State and Robin Eternal. What was can you speak on what what it was like being part of that big initiative? Because Future State was a big thing that we've heard different things has changed a few times, and I remember when we were uh, Malcolm, our other co-host, and I did a whole like pre-game draft where we were like going through every book, and I was like, "Robin's in a train heist. Like, this yeah. is the only book that I want from this." And like, <laughs> so what? What was your? What was it like being part of that? And what was kind of the? Uh, what was your pitch for Robin Eternal? Um. So that was a very interesting time. Not for DC, I mean, for DC, but for, for all of us sort of separately. Yeah. I um, I remember getting it. So this is when I was working at Supernatural um, and I had done some work for Warner's Animation. Um, Dan Didio had put out this like, hey, we, we were looking for new writers for comics and like anybody that's interested, come on down. Jeremy and I were very interested. So like we, we went over, we got invited to this big meeting where Dan Didio... And Ben Harris, uh, I don't know if I'm saying, there might be a T in his name. Anyway, um, <laughs> we're, we're both like, they like walked us through future state and it was like, it was the most interesting meeting I've ever been a part of. And it, <laughs> I'll definitely say it was memorable. It, um, Woof. what, I mean, it wasn't bad. It was just like, we can't like Jeremy and I came back to our office and we were like, huh. That sure was a meeting. It, well, it was like, I, and then we like that's when we were shouting back and forth to each other, like, "Can you believe that they want us to like play in this world?" Um, so, like, there, as there always is with like not even just Warner's, and but like with any sort of media company, there's always moving pieces, and so right. I got brought in for a couple of different um, characters before uh, getting an email from Paul Kaminsky, who is now the group editor over in the Superman group, but was originally, he had been an editor at Gotham for a while. And he was like, we have Tim. We love Tim. Would you like Tim? Would you like to play with Tim? <laughs> um, and I was like, yes, yes, I would. Um, yes, yes, indeed. Uh, so that was great. I, I had a great time working with Paul and they had sort of had a germ of an idea and they gave it to me. And I, I was like, oh, okay, well, like, so my, the way that my story brain works is um, I like immediately think in, in breakdowns and plot breakdowns. So they were like, well, he's going to go and like get this, this train, this, this juice, basically this Bane juice. Um, <laughs> and uh, he, uh, it's called yeah, it's something just, different, but it like, yeah, it's, 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 it's the Bane. Venom? I think it's. 
I think it's, it's resin. Been, That's I right. La- Lazarus. Resin. Thank Lazarus you. It's Lazarus yeah. resin. It's been a minute Thank since you. this. Um, it's been a bit. You've done a lot. I just Lazarus read it resin. That's it. right. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, yay. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you. Lazarus resin. He's gonna get like he's gonna have this Lazarus resin. It's gonna come. He's gonna like he's gonna stop the training. And I was like, cool. That means he has to take it. And they were like, what? Yes. I was like, if you like. Yes. If we're if you do if he's protecting it from if if you don't want it this to happen it has to happen, um, <laughs> and so they were like oh well we weren't really and I was like oh, it doesn't have to be forever but like um, so I think it sort of it sort of spun out that way of like immediately going so the end of this issue is this he's gonna he's he's gonna have to ingest the Lazarus resin like I don't know what to tell you and they were like. Oh, well, okay. Like how how is this not obvious to all of you? That's what I was like. Yeah. So this is the plan. I, and I'm like, oh. Well, not only did you make him take it, but you also like killed him and then pulled and like, his left neck. him in a pile of it. Yeah, it snapped yeah. his neck and left him with all this resin to, to like to, like soak him in it. And I was Listen, like, oh, oh. I didn't make it as visceral as Eddie Barrows did, who is an amazing artist. And we Incredible. got that back, and I was like. This is amazing. I don't think I wrote it that scary, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. I was very pleased. I still remember cool. vividly yeah. reading yeah. that for the first time, picking that up, p- coming to that page, and the <laughs> googly eyed tongue yeah. out of the mouth the bleh, yeah. look like stuck with me we we talked yes. before on a previous interview about like Assad Ribic has just the best like open mouth like. immediately like yeah he is the best at that but this is a contender extremely talented yeah that came in and i was like oh oh, i'm scared i wrote this i knew i was coming and i'm scared so did you we we know that you you wanted to kill him you wanted to dip him in the lazarus resin did you get to do everything you wanted to do in that story um I'm trying to think. I I was very pleased with how that story turned out. Um, I we're also like four years post it, so I'm like, right, it's done. So it's a perfect story. What are you talking? About? <laughs> <laughs> um, nice. But I mean, like, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed working with those characters. I really enjoyed playing with Darcy. Like Darcy is a new character that I got yeah. to create that I was really like really really grateful to to play with um yeah. and brought back into tim drake robin so i was really yep. pleased to do that because oh, that was so tim, cool tim needs so cool. more friends tim he needs, needs he needs like, friends yeah. that aren't the boys club in young justice yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes yes they, they always peg him as a loner and I, I get frustrated with that because of just like he has friends like why yeah. isn't there more of his friends popping up more no, absolutely. Like that was that was sort of the thing. And like there's so part of I think part of the issue honestly is that like there's so much like what piece of history from Tim are we keeping? What yeah. is what it doesn't work, what does work and like I think because of all of that cuz he was young whenever he like they went through all of the different like the flashpoints yeah. and the the new 52 and the rebirth yep. and everything. So like a lot of that crucial history has sort of been it it could be this it could be that sort of take your card whereas it is very established what happened to dick's parents like that's that we know what that is and that doesn't change 
Um, so I think because of that, he ends up becoming an accidental loner because at that point you just don't want to like, which piece are we pulling from which universe? Yeah. Um, but that's also why it was important for me to like have Bernard. Cause I was like, okay, we have to establish that like, <laughs> that he definitely went to school happened. and he just, we, we have to establish that he had friends at some point, but like, he's not, <laughs> yeah. he, he has a life outside of this. Um, that and the fact that like, I was very supportive of giving him a boyfriend that um, is from his past rather than from like, a, let's create a new character. That is what Tom is doing with John. And I think that is working really well. And that's important for John and part of that, the ethos and, and importance of that story. But because what we are saying with Bernard and Tim is that like, it is built into his character. It has been who this character is, whether or not he knew it this whole time, that is important. Um, so yeah, I think all of that is, is the importance of having bits and pieces of his life exist within the current run that I'm doing of Tim Drake Robin. We are missing one of our co-hosts, Malcolm from the, uh, from the Explained book club, but he yes. did want to specifically ask you a couple things about uh, dark crisis, young justice talking okay. about Tim's friends. Um, yes. Cause we've, we've all been reading that and it's really fun yeah. to revisit a lot of that history. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's super cool. So I, I want to ask, you know, getting into that, Mm -hmm. did it feel like a natural fit for you since you were already on that you know i've got tim i'm collecting the other pokemon cards for the rest of this group um yes and what what do you think what does that uh what about that team speaks to you as a writer and as someone who's a, who's been a fan i think for me what i love about young justice is that once again, we're talking about the millennial burnout culture and they yeah. represent so much of that. Like they represent so much of like, I don't know. I love each of them individually and I love them all so much. They're so interesting in their own aspects of like their own foibles. Like they are, they are very like messed up kids who have had a very messed up background in childhood. Yeah. And like a lot of that stuff hasn't really been addressed and yeah. should be like, it's a lot of, it's a lot of trauma that they all went through. Like I remember reading the Connor stuff when, and like when all, when he died and like, I was really yeah. affected. Same. Um, and I think that like, for me, they definitely represent, they represent two things. They represent both the innocence of comics and they also represent sort of when comics became more like dark isn't the right word, but complex may be the right word. Like yeah. that was mm -hmm. around the time also that like um, Civil War was happening in Marvel. That was around yeah. the like post and or, or even really before, but like it was around that time that comics started to like ask the more intense questions um, and had more morally gray stories. And so these kids came through that without really analyzing a lot of it. Um, and the thing that I love about Young Justice and what I've been able to do with, with my editor, he, he brought it to me and was like, I really want to tell this, like, I really want to play with Young Justice. We haven't really played with them before. And the two of us wanted to work together and, and like create those spaces. Like it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really like, it's been a, a great space for, like for me to play in and, and to like work through some of the stuff that like 
I remember about reading some of those runs early on. Like I loved Young Justice, but also that sometimes there weren't a lot of women, and sometimes oh. the women hated each other. And I was like, oh, I, I don't really <laughs> For think what that's. Reason? Yeah, why are we doing this story? This seems not how I know women are. Um, and to address that, because I, I think that's important. It's important to recognize like those particular pieces of story and where we come from, because we all come from something. Absolutely. You, in I believe it was the first issue, you had this killer line that like really stuck with me, mm. where it was uh, the three of them at the big funeral... And it was it was basically like we don't like we're kind of stuck in this place where like we can't be like the really young kids who get to cry about it. And we can't be like the older kids who have to like yeah. take the reins. So we don't mm-hmm. really like we don't get to mourn. We don't get to jump into action. Yeah. So we're just kind of left here. And that yeah. hit me like a truck. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, God, like that. Because, again, like you mentioned, like it speaks so much to that millennial experience of being yeah. like constantly around all of these natural and man-made disasters and all of these historical events where it's like, yeah. what are we supposed to do here? We're not in any like position of power to like do something about this, yeah. but we're also like kind of forced to live through this where our you know our younger siblings or the next generation after us are gonna learn about this in textbooks it's still it boggles my mind it's that they're real for us yeah that there are people who are graduating high school who only learn about 9-11 in books so that line in particular thank you i that line was really important to me my um grandmother died in 2020 and she was like my mom um Mm. but my mom was her daughter and i remember having that feeling at her funeral of like i don't know how to mourn my grandmother who was like my mom but like still giving my mom the ability to mourn her because it was my mom's mom. And like, it really struck me at that, that weird dichotomy that the, that the young justice were going through that like, yeah, it makes sense to me that Cassie would be like, I'm really sad about this. My mom is alive, but like Diana was my mom too, yeah. but that's hard to tell my mom this. And like, there's just so much I think wrapped up within those like emotions and family centers that we exist in. It's why I think so much of comic books are about found family because hundred percent that that is what we know when we create these family structures. And the effect of that, of having to not only process trauma, but also be the kind of person that can help other people process trauma Yep, is like, I mean, it's at the heart of superheroes, but also like being in that weird spot of like, yeah, we don't get to be the justice league, but we're also like not the teen Titans. So that's, that's kind of what's always been fascinating to me as. Yeah. Well, and, and also like Damien and John are actual blood. Yes. Like, they yeah. are the literal actual blood from Superman and Batman. So how do Connor and where do Connor and Tim fit in that? Like yeah. there's no yeah. question that absolutely Clark loves Connor and absolutely Bruce loves Tim, but like it's very clear where the mantle is going. And it's yeah. fine, you maybe didn't want that mantle, but where do you fit then? 
it's that awkward transition of like being the youngest and all of a sudden we're having yes. a baby and now you're the weird Hello. middle child. And but it's I like, think that's oh, exactly what it is. Young, yeah. just, young justice is awkward transition. Yes. Like that is, that's literally yes. what they yes. exist as. That's who they are. <laughs> that's your halfway house between Teen Titans and Justice League. Yeah. Like, yeah. You do yeah. a few years here and then you can, if you do well, you can Then you promoted. can become the real teenagers. Yeah. And you're like, but we, right. we already were. <laughs> We've been teenagers twice. Bart's been yeah. te- a teenager three times at this point. Bless him. Bart. Bless that oh, funny boy. I, Bart has been, I'm always, I'm always so pleased about this. Whenever I write, there's always a character that pops up as like, no, but because the way that I, and I've talked about this before with Tim, what I've been trying to do with Tim is that like, give him as much space as possible to tell his story. Yeah. Um, and that is how I do most writing is like, I want to give the characters enough room to tell their story. Mm. Um, Bart I wasn't expecting how like I'm so I'm yes. so proud of that story but like I'm so pleased with Bart because it felt like Bart sort of came in and was like I have things to say I'm upset I'm like okay <laughs> sure Bart love that for you here you go it's the kid who just walks in with like a half jug of milk and it's like I don't know where you got that <gasps> yeah throws it to the ground wipes the milk mustache away <laughs> I have things to say about the current day. Yes. This is what's yes. going on. Okay. Sure, Bart. <laughs> Get on that soapbox. Yeah. It's your time now. Yeah. Because he's also in yeah. that weird spot of like, he was for the longest time, like he was the little flash baby. And now he keep it keeps like shifting whether he and wallace are younger than each other and it's it's interesting i think wallace is younger but yeah i mean there's like but also wally has two kids and like there's there's tons of like and and irie's coming for that impulse role again i'm just she is yeah i know I know it. And like, once again, then it becomes a thing of like, oh, this is your actual kid. This is your blood. And like, I'm sort of your, like, I'm, I'm sort of related to you, but like from far away. And that is one of the things that I thought was the new 52 did a lot of things wrong, but like, that was something that I thought was (laughs) incredibly interesting was the whole bar tour thing where Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, he's faking it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was some. That's something that like, because you run into this, and I think you can you can speak to this too, since you are you know writing Tim right now. There are a lot of like strange pitfalls in writing a character who's not like, oh golly gee, I've got the whole world in front of me, but also not yeah. like a Nightwing who's like, I've been there, I've done that, I'm doing like, yeah. I'm a head of a superhero community. Thing. That beautiful yeah. uh, Redondo cover for nightwing 100. oh my gosh like, it's like he's the center of the dc universe now and it's like kind i love of. that for him. him and harley <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i love that for them but it's also like absolutely. Absolutely. you go like three spots down and one to the right and it's like there's tim there he yeah. is that's our boy yeah, absolutely yeah no for sure i mean it's I think once again it goes back to what you were saying it's transitionary period and it's like we we as comics often do represent the time that we live in and yeah. sort of are parallel to the time that we live in. And I think it is really interesting to sort of see that being played out in, in comics in DC seeing that like 
Dick and and Harley both were were characters that were beloved, but were smaller characters that like maybe didn't get as much that like grew into the level of of love and appreciation that they have today. Um, It's interesting to sort of see that transition happen and that, that constant sort of state of, of, well, so what does that mean for the rest of us? Yeah. And that's, I think the, the trouble with legacy characters and that's Mm. something that they constantly, constantly run into and they, you get the opportunity to speak directly on it with uh, Mickey who's the main villain of this revealed recently of this, uh, of this book. He's an interesting character about like his views on legacy characters. Is there, is there something there? Cause I felt his, his criticisms were very pointed in that reveal issue. Yeah. Um, Yes, I I love Mickey. <laughs> Mickey has been Mickey's such a strange one to like write because I feel like I know Mickey and like I'm friends with people who are like Mickey. Like we all it, know a it's Mickey. not yeah. Um but like that's those are real critiques that I've had. Those yeah. are real critiques that I have heard people tell me and like they we don't talk about it. We don't sort of really put that into a story and say, okay, so what do we do? Like, what do you, what do you want? I've had like, there have been people who have said things like uh, talking about Tim and being like, well, why didn't you like do that with a new character? And it's like, because you wouldn't read it. Yeah. Like new character (laughs) argument is so the new character uh, argument is fascinating to me. Like I, you know, I, I, I feel very strongly that like I came from a character base with Tim and like, that's why, but like, it's such a, there's so many argumental fallacies that we, because we exist on these sort of simple, simple argument forms. We don't have these conversations. We don't, we're not able to have conversations. So they just sort of exist on the ether of like Reddit threads and Twitter threads and like, you don't you don't have people because i'm not going to engage that's no, not my absolutely place not. but yeah. like also because it's not a real conversation yeah if it, it's just it, shouting it may be different yeah. yeah yeah and that's a shame because like there are real legit conversations that can be had but like that's the point of mickey is like for me saying all right what are these conversations and like he's not a, he's he's trying he's trying to convince them of his point of view and the point of view is that like we need to stay in the past yeah. And that's that's not that's not good for comics, first of all. No. That's not good for <laughs> that's not good for any generation. No, it's um, not just the people, it's reductive. Exactly. Yeah. And so but it's representative of that. And like that is a real I think the thing that has been really interesting in terms of writing it has been like being like, no, that that I understand it though. I understand wanting to live in the past because life has been hard. Yeah. And like to be very frank. <laughs> Where Mickey took them is not the past. I'm sure we've said this before, but like what he created for them was not the past of Young yeah. Justice. That is not like, but it's how he remembers it. And that's how a lot of people remember it. Well, for um, sure. It's not correct, but like that is how a lot of people remember it. And that's a shame because um, it's so much more than that. And that's, Absolutely. I think, part of it is that our memories are so flawed. Our memories are so reductive. Um, and that that's why we have to keep moving forward because our memories are very limited. That yeah. time was good. That that time is in the past. I will. Yeah. I will say, as full disclosure, I have always been a a, a Tim Steph guy. But yeah. I was, oh yeah. 
and and it's funny because like a lot of people like when all this was going on when we you first introduced the idea like hey maybe you know he's not meant to be with steph maybe or maybe he is who knows he's exploring things yeah. he's living his life yeah. and he's experiencing new things there was a lot of like oh but tim and steph were so perfect together all the time and i like I fall into that pit because, you know, you have your comfort characters just like you kind of have like your comfort couples. But like going back to the minutia, it's like, there's a lot of problems there. Like there's a lot of, like with any relationship. Yeah. I like a lot of those arguments because they're like, they, I I was like, no, we read the same comics. They broke up a lot. Like, what are you, they broke up a lot. They broke up almost every two issues. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, maybe not recently, but like. They had a very volatile, and I love Stephanie and, and Tim, and like I I I love Stephanie specifically. Stephanie Stephanie's such agreed. an amazing character, and like yes, agreed. I I get very like I get very frustrated sometimes because I'm like no 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 she doesn't she's don't get this wrong I love Tim Stephanie deserves so much better than Tim <laughs> she's so great you're not Tim, wrong you're Tim not is, wrong Tim's gotta like work through his stuff and like get yeah. get through his stuff. He's not finished um, cooking yet. No, no. Um, I love them both. And like, they, they were a ship that matter that did matter and still do matter to me. And yeah. like, are, mm. I, I'm very invested in their emotional journeys as characters specifically. Um, but yeah, it's very funny to me. Cause I was like, yeah, no, I, I'm also there. I also love Tim and, and Stephanie, but also sometimes you have to tell stories that are, that grow characters and we continue to move on because otherwise Tim and Stephanie are not an interest. Like they just stop being interesting because you just don't like they stop growing. They stop growing. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Like I don't ever want to stop growing as a person. I don't want characters to stop growing, especially my, my comfort characters. Absolutely. And yeah. growing them into this new status quo brought yeah. with it, like a whole new, I think aspect of Tim as a character. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to yeah, tackle this? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, the, the his sexuality just finally touched base like what did uh, uh did you have any idea when you were like starting this writing this character that you would like establish this as his new status quo like what was um what was uh the process of developing for that character and did you get a lot of pushback from it too <laughs> that was i mean it was definitely the hope that this would be um the status quo that like walking in going yes. guys we're not if we're doing this we're not like pulling back from it um and dc has the whole way been extremely supportive and extremely wonderful and lovely and like amazing to work with on all of it honestly i think the biggest surprise has just been that like it made global news that was weird for all of us we all were like (laughs) oh so now you care about robin kind of like i like it, it i got an email from my editor on the day that it all went down and we were like so this was we we thought that like yeah it's a big deal but like screen rant will write about it and maybe comic book resources and that'll be it like we'll be done and like we'll move along um it was when i got like an interview request from the bbc that i was like you guys don't even know which robin this is you didn't even know that there was more than one what are you talking about like, um, becoming nightwing and it's like guys what are you that's not what are you talking about I saw so many that were like, were like, so Dick Grayson. I was like, this is not it. You're this, this is wrong, wrong. You don't go here. It was very funny, but I think that was the biggest surprise, is because it just it. I had not 
I'm so grateful that it like affected people and really touched people in a way that like was what I wanted. Once again, like going back to what I was talking about at the very beginning, the thing that is very important to me is that people know that they are they are loved, that they belong, that they are they deserve to be seen. Tim deserves to be seen and like hadn't been in comics, frankly. Like there have been a couple um, for sure, but like it it wasn't as it wasn't as prominent as like our in communities uh, that like real people exist and why aren't these real people being expressed on on the page um so yeah i was i was really grateful that like there i i came back to my editor and was like this is sort of the only story that i can see um Mm-hmm. yes what, or no what's the temperature <laughs> in the room what are we this doing this is sort of what we gotta go with and and <laughs> thankfully i because i was not the first person that had pitched that idea oh um, really yeah yeah there was there was that's... other people in the woods that had suggested the same thing so that's cool. um that's yeah really yeah yeah, yeah. To know. so it was um, it was within the zeitgeist it was within the world so nice so there wasn't any feel for like uh uh Pretty citizen like um set to the character for being bisexual or anything like that it was just always going to be something like um like something uh i don't know what i'm trying to say <laughs> i think yeah, I, I think uh, you're trying uh, to say like is was there any kind of like did you feel like there was like a precedent set for his sexual his sexuality because i know a lot of yes. like there were all kinds of arguments of like oh there's no evidence of this or like you know, there. It, this was so out of the blue, which is if you have been reading his comics, completely untrue. I, yeah. I mean, the joy of being a comic book writer is that I set the precedent. Yes. Oh, yeah, baby. That. Okay, that. that's so. That's love. That's lovely. <laughs> that's the quote. That, that makes up sense. It, it, it's like I said. It's like I. Well, I personally identified it with it because of just like how much of a loner he was and like how he was mm. always like what you said, it was like shunned in the back. He was always the middle child. Nobody really yeah. like um, brought out the logicalness like he did in terms of being the yeah. the the detective of, of our Robins out of all of them. And um, what was really interesting for me was just like how important it is that um, uh, Tim's bi- uh, bisexuality um is represented in today's comic books landscape you know and like how do you feel Mm -hmm. about like it being in that way yeah i mean i it is definitely a conversation um that i have been having a fair amount and and will continue to and really want to i think um what i get very frustrated with sort of we talked about it a little bit i am a female comic book uh reader and there i i always was really aware when female characters were sexualized and female characters and specifically when women who like other women were extremely sexualized for an extremely male gaze and I was like this is I mean I would be super supportive and fine if I felt that this was always done um that this was always done with an audience that like was excited about the representation and not about ooh, it's sexy um and there is a, a really interesting conversation to be had that like because these are comfort characters for men for the most part for um that these male characters are comfort characters for men um that seeing a character who is questioning their sexuality or is it realizes something about themselves what does that mean for me 
Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to mean anything. Tim is still Tim. It, or it could, or it could bring you to something. This is art makes you ask questions, not yeah. about yourself yes. all the time, but it should always push you to say like, what are my biases? Like this was a great thing whenever I was mm-hmm. working on Supernatural was like, what are my biases towards certain things? I would notice that like certain people would react a certain way to different writers on our show. And if those were, those were female writers or writers of color. And I was like, Oh, that's really interesting. What is it about this that is causing people to react? And it's because Mm we have grown up for a long time with very specific ways that stories have been told. And when it becomes slightly different or it's, in a way, or represented in a way that we just don't really understand, sometimes that forces us to really question ourselves and really, like, have to look at ourselves. And yeah. that that was sort of what yes. I was hoping to do with Tim, is to be like, hey, listen, Tim is Tim. This has not changed who this character is. I would argue, once again, like, to your point, this has been coded for a long time. There, I think, is evidence to it. Um, but even if there wasn't, what is this? Why is this making you uncomfortable? Yeah. What about this makes you uncomfortable? Yeah. And if and if it's because you think I told the story wrong, that's fine. But investigate it. Like, <laughs> if it's a grammar it. error, that's different. But yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Listen, you just probably, not research. <laughs> probably, I was homeschooled sometimes, so like maybe it was grammar. You know what? <laughs> Doing public school doesn't make you any better at grammar. I'll let you know that right now. That's actually living proof between the two of us. I did all forms of schooling, but it was all in Florida. So I feel like that's Ooh, really yeah, that's more tough. my that's life. Tough. Oh man, that's, that's, that's rough. That's setting you back a couple spaces. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned like it, uh, feeling emotionally charged from like being uh, uh, viewing this character the way he is right now. It's like one of the things that like for me was refreshing reading this um the 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 tim drake special the pride special was that um um bernard popped up and um it's such a such a prominent like fun character like it was just like he was his buddy back in the day and everything like that and it's a deep cut for all of us like tim fans and like how did you go about selecting him to be the catalyst for tim's coming out like what why specifically bernard Uh, When I was talking with my editor about it, we were talking about, well, you know, do we create a new character or not? I very much, and and Dave supported me on this, was very much like, no, we want a character that is part of his history. And so we, he was like, oh, think about who it would be. Take some time. And immediately I thought of Bernard, like immediately. And then I went back and read, read more about Bernard and I was like, yeah, you do feel a little performative in terms of masculinity. This does feel... This this makes sense to me. It's funny going back and rereading that, and it's like, oh yeah, it's right there. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's really it's a little hard. Yeah, it is. It, once again, it's I I you know not to get woo woo because I feel like that sometimes whenever I talk about writing, it feels a little like I just let the words flow for me. But um, <laughs> I, because I've read so much, there is an element of just sort of like opening up and being like, okay, it's like what is what feels right, what feels correct, and like to me, it really it did feel like Bernard came to my mind so quickly of like, oh yeah, I remember this blonde kid. He was cool. He was weird. Let's do this. And like it just it yeah. felt the more that I like I obviously didn't just immediately do that, but it was like, a, oh let let me research that. Like let me investigate that myself and. I was like, yeah, no, that absolutely feels correct. So going sort of on instinct to then lend, like to then find my way here. 
Hell yeah. It was so refreshing to see like a, um, a, a character of that um, actually being able to hold his own ground with uh, with uh, Robin. That was actually really refreshing and fun to find out. It's like, <laughs> are you kidding me? I've been training for this. And it was like, what is happening right now? Yeah. This is already yeah. amazing. Uh, of but course I he would be training for this. He was just, a, he yeah. loved Batman. Of course he'd be like, yeah. I'm going to figure this out. He was a total of Like Mark. genuinely, like, you, you would think like self-defense classes would just be a, like a given for anyone living in Gotham. Everyone. Yes. Like, you know, honestly, you walk in and you sign up for self-defense classes. Why else the, would you, like, what you else move. are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. exactly. It's a liability right. if you don't. <laughs> it's absolutely true. There's no insurance that covers that where it's just like, oh. Oh, you got beat up? Everybody gets beat up. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but in particular, like my, uh, my most favorite moment of this was just like the fact that while they were fighting is just like that moment of just him able to confess, like, please get the word out to Tim Drake. If we don't make it that I would have liked to continue the date. And it was like, the date wasn't even mentioned. And that was amazing. And just the process of Tim's thought process as they're fighting every single, uh, bad guy around is exactly the kind of process that I kind of went through when I came out in it as well. Like it was this process of just like, wait a minute, logically, this is what I've been missing. Everything has been like up to this point. And I like, Oh, okay. That light bulb. That's what that was. That was the light bulb moment. That was the moment where it's like, Oh, everyone just switched around and everything <laughs> like that. That is a very poignant like position for people who like me loved him just just in general of uh, uh, of this community that just really nailed that part that 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 was Thank the part you. that everyone like can kind of like uh, agree that that that's the, the aha moment for everyone who realizes. So thank, thank you, you so for much. that. Yes. Yeah, I, I told you it, he it was, was he was ranting and raving about it like for days. <laughs> after he was just like oh my god and he's like telling us about it was it was i was like i told you this story this was so poignant that my boyfriend who uh, is in nothing uh in common with everything that i'm obsessed with is like it was just like you need to know this one part in this comic book that this i just need you to read this and he was like rolled his eyes and he looked at the comic and he read what happened is like is this wait are they together? And it was like, not yet. And it's like, this is the most cutest thing I've ever seen, basically. <gasps> and it was like, yeah, okay. this is like, this, it, what you read in, is so true to like what this character is and for being what he, uh, what he's finding himself. Um, also with this character, I hope this lasts, I know it won't, but at the same time, I'm really excited for how, how, how well he does and him like, and especially Tim coming out around the same time as, um, Another high-profile hero that I really liked was uh, John Kent. So, mm -hmm. uh, so with these two very, uh, very opened uh, superheroes, is it possible that you know he's so close with Connor? Is there a chance that you know he might just like? I'm not saying get together. I'm just, I'm just saying friend, gay buddy for uh, <laughs> for John Kent there. World's say, finest, think... like world's fabulous. Please, can you get make that a thing? I... <laughs> I think someone pitched to me. They were like, so what if they go on a double date? And I was like, I can't, like, that has come up three times. And I'm like, but we have. It's all about the timing, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I'm exactly. sure I will. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. But it is, yeah. it is 
Kunst can say. <laughs> I, I can express to you how many times people have been like, so what if there's... I was like, no, I know. I know it's there. I know. <laughs> I hear you. I'm aware. We're all aware of it. We know. Let it go already. <laughs> We knew when, like, when you like announced it, it was just like, all right, we we got it. We know we want all the gay, f- <laughs> we want all the fabulousness, and it's gonna happen. We're just praying for it. Uh, uh, with all of that, <laughs> uh, so so with this pride special that was very fabulous and everything and well collected, uh, um, is uh, you kicked off Tim's new solo series that he's had for it's been over ten years that he's had it and yeah. uh, for me for me for my my love of like Tim is basically from my introduction to him was Nightfall and also the Batman animated mm. series as well mm-hmm. uh, 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 it, it was uh, fugitive and murderer but it was really um, uh, it was really Red Robin that kind of solidified my sure. love because of the fact of like yeah. Like, oh, he gets to be Batman at last. Finally, Tim, you finally have your moment here. Uh, um, we have a question Better. about that, and we'll get to that at the end of this. I'm sure we will. But, um, but, the, but, this two, but this Tim series is fantastic. How special was it for you to be giving him the spotlight once again here? Super special. Like, truly, honestly, something that, like, I, I am incredibly honored by, incredibly, like, humbled by being able to tell Tim's story continuously has been like such a gift it's been such a gift and being able to like give Tim the space that I feel like he needs and and to also be able to explore a different part of Gotham that we've never seen before like I've been I uh I sometimes live on a marina and it's like it I love it. I love it so much. And it made so much sense to me as I was sort of building it out with my editor, Ariana. I was like, no, it makes sense. It makes sense that Tim would somehow end up on a marina. Of course he would. (laughs) But it's also strange to me that we've never done a marina in Gotham. Like, it's surrounded by what? We've been to the docks a ton of times. Yeah, they talk about the docks all the time. All the time. It's where things go down. It's where things go down. Yeah, exactly. For some reason, yeah. I, I totally but nobody it's lives really there? great. Please. <laughs> yes. Please. I love the map of that marina too. Like yeah, Riley Riley just blew me out of the water. Proverbial water. Um <laughs> what like he turned in that it was that and uh Tim's murder boat that he lives on. Yes. Um those yes, two yeah. pieces, those two pieces of art turned in. I was like, this is everything that i could have ever wanted i like just sat with them like hugging them like these are my favorite panels these are mine it was great i I had so i was so excited about it did you know when you when everything had wrapped up with the uh with the urban legends and the pride special did you know you were going to be moving on to an ongoing or was that something that came on later not i mean I'd sort of hoped for it. We sort of talked potentially about it. Once again, it's a timing thing. It's also figuring out like the market and there's just, I, everything sort of moves the way that the way that it's going to move. So sort of hoped for it, but also was like, there are constantly pieces moving in place at DC all the time. I was like, who knows? Um, it was very much that like the character mattered to DC and the character was very important to them. They didn't want to just sort of like toss the character away, but they 
but it's making sure that we did the story justice and that we did Tim justice and making sure that we could do it um, at a particular point in time. And uh, so figuring all of that out was, was more of the crucial point before we were able to like really announce it and figure it out. So did you have like an idea? Like, did you have a pitch ready when they're like, all right, so we're thinking about, it's like, yes, this is what I'm doing. Kind of. I So I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to or not, but I was like, I'm just going to sneak in a villain here um, uh, in the new story in the Pride special. And I was like, if we get a run, cool. If we don't, then I can come back to this at a different point. Um, but I, I, snuck him, I, I snuck him in there sort of early on uh to be like well we'll, we'll see what we get <laughs> a little nest egg of like okay i'm just yeah, gonna keep exactly. you here <laughs> there, exactly um, a little, little baby easter egg yeah i really liked what you put it like tusk was one of my favorite additions in like the prize special that you put was like i love elephants is my favorite animal so i'm always a big fan of like animal based like villains or heroes that are ever put right? into this so Excellent. that was just kind of nice to see like some <laughs> some some new haven blood kind of basically blood haven stuff um can i interest uh, you in a in a in an audio drama that i have done it's currently on hold at the moment but an audio drama i've done called red rhino which is about a boy that gets rhino powers that are really bad that's <laughs> but similar incredible similar that's to that in terms of just like animal based powers and he's like these are these are stupid i i i can i have bad vision and like i can only eat veggies what is this great <laughs> he doesn't grow a horn he's just like i don't even have a horn to help me out no he doesn't even have a horn he's just like weighty he's just like is like just not, heavy all not the time like, yeah like he's uh it's the the not That's not in a awesome. weight perspective, but in a like I have heavy footprints, and he's like I can't even drive anymore. Like my foot goes through the pedal, like it's stuff like that. So oh, I, I'm sorry not to interrupt you, but I was like, oh no, I no. I similarly <laughs> feel very strongly about animal based power. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of my favorites. That's fantastic. Um, so you know with. <laughs> Tim always like excelling in the genre uh, storytelling from like being a globe trotting like spy and in, in Red Robin and then the high stakes chi- uh, the train heist that you have uh, in Robin Eternal to like right now with this current book it being this really great murder mystery which I I, I really love we're sucker for murder like, mysteries nods we were really, like, I love really excited the Mark Twain reference I was just like oh my god I got that I actually got that Yay! reference I I, <laughs> I couldn't believe that. And look at that. I read that in high school. I was so proud. And like, yeah, I was like, aha, again. It's like more, oh, more, so more add on to it. And and, and then, then this heist with the, the orangutan was also great. Uh, uh, are there any other genres that you'd like to tell in terms of stories with Tim in? I mean, so I worked on a show called Supernatural. That was, that's famous for genre hopping. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It is, I think it's baked into my own personal DNA on things that I like. It's, um, once again, sort of going back to the conversation we were having earlier about story, genre are just rules. And it it starts with character. And so, like, yeah, there's no, there's, like, no end to the the abilities that, like, it's why these characters, not just him, but, like, all of the characters in DC have lasted for so long is because at the heart of it, there is this, like, incredible character that like you can put in a horror story, you can put in a detective novel, yes. you can put in an action adventure, in a romance. Like I'm Jeremy's annual of the like romance oh, so book good. that 
his oh, wife yeah. wrote like it's, it's, it's beautiful it's absolutely beautiful <laughs> and so like it's things like that that we're able to do with the characters so yeah like i would love i would love to see robin in in various forms and various genres um as long as it makes sense for the story of course but like there's there's no end there's no end to the possibilities so then you're saying there's a chance so that we go from marina to high seas adventures, adventures with tim drake right <laughs> that's what we're <laughs> high seas pirate adventures make- 2023. I can make no promises. <laughs> can we, I can make we no do promises. Robin Vice? Is that what's going to happen? Robin, like Robin Vice. Vice. Robin Vice. <laughs> like, yeah, please. Because it's already on a marina. It's just like, this is, this better leave. And the fact that you told me, like, he'd, he'd look great through, in like, that Florida and everything. I was just like, please, please give him, yeah, please give him the Miami Vice vibe on oh, this. Oh, no. He comes out great. with one of those, like, lounge leisure suit things. Yes. Yes. First of all, it would be Bernard. It would be Bernard in that. Yes, it wouldn't yes, be. It would look great with the backdrop. Oh, oh, oh my god! Really oh my gosh! It would be like them going to Florida for like a trip or something like that. It's like their first trip together. I, listen, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that to Joker, let alone Tim. And <laughs> send him to Florida. I wouldn't. Absolutely not. I wouldn't send anyone anywhere near Florida. What a oh what a god. dangerous place. <laughs> the australia oh, of america wow. the australia wow. of america wow All right. that is a tough bridge oh man That's i mean i love here, australia i i prefer australia but like it in terms of strange <laughs> strange creatures and like places that can kill you it's yeah. it's florida Hands that on. makes a lot of sense i'm i'm, I'm a <laughs> big captain so boomerang true. mark so you're speaking my language oh yeah yeah so. yeah 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 <laughs> but i mean maybe oh, we'll my. see you know a captain boomerang from florida who knows there's always a chance I mean, listen if any of if any of flash's villains were from any place other than central city it would be florida it would be wouldn't it? <laughs> that's so true i love it this is Flash so good. Florida man. <laughs> I would, I would Florida man attacks. <laughs> yeah. Florida man attacks Robin and it's like in the Gotham Gazette or something like yeah, that. Yeah, the cover yeah. is just the front it's page just... of a newspaper or a, yeah. or a Yahoo yeah, news article. Oh, Bing. A I... Bing news article. Oh, yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Gotham's definitely uses Bing still. A hundred percent. Oh, my God. As we're wrapping up, I did have like one quick personal question to ask for you is, and that is, um, um, is, or is there any time in the future of this run, would you be working with, um, Ortega again that you did with the pride special and stuff? I would love nothing more than to work with Belen. I have loved working with her. We, I, I ran into her. I finally got to meet her in person at New York comic-con oh. and it was oh. the best i was so happy it was like it, so it, i got to give her a hug it was everything oh. um and it, i am so grateful for it because it, it truly like she she's other than eddie she was the first artist that i really worked with and i like we just had this amazing connection that i i am so grateful for and want to do more with her um yeah. that being said she is incredibly talented and incredibly busy and yeah um who who knows what her schedule is? So like I would love nothing more than to work with Belen. Um, that being said, I've had a, an absolute blast working with Riley. Like I love yeah. Riley. Riley yeah. is so like so creative and so like there's so much about this book that I would never have like 
thought of if that makes sense like in terms of the way that he views things or the way that he like pictures things he'll turn something in and I'll be like that is so much cooler than I could have ever <laughs> ever yeah. imagined it um so I mean I'm really I'm really happy with Riley um but who knows who knows what 2023 brings um that's very cool as we yeah as we go through it so i'm yeah. i'm extremely i'm extremely lucky with the artists that i've had but i i loved working with Belen and and hope to work with her again on something else just because it even if it's like a personal thing because i yeah. just yeah. i adore her she's so cool one of the things you made me realize that i needed was like the fact that i need a bat kebab that that yeah. he has yeah. in there that please make tim eat a bat kebab i think that'd be so i want to know what that is i need to know yeah like, no that's fair that's a really fair question <laughs> i can't imagine it would taste good but sure fair enough you, you know I, I, it's, it's probably just for the shape for anything yes Maybe yeah the actual it's, this is like shape of sausage or shape of yeah, yeah. you yeah, could yeah. do crazy food <laughs> yeah no, that's fair that makes sense to uh, me i think i believe yeah. in that and i will say that belen gives tim the cleanest fade i have ever seen on that boy uh-huh that haircut is yeah ace. i know i poof, i was very <laughs> impressed i saw like she sent it in and i was like what the, you made this boy real pretty <laughs> the, the, they are so they are way too cute. They that that's that was the yeah. really di- yeah. like upsetting thing about this was just like the the shine that comes off of like Bernard when like Stephanie and 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 them like meet. Yeah, and stuff. It's yeah. really adorable. Like she's good so gracious, good. She's, just, she's so good at it. And what I love, like <laughs> she's so good at that shine. And then what I love about like in terms of of cuteness with Riley is yeah. like. Riley is the one who was like, so how do, what, what do we think that Bernard wears? And I was like, I, you are asking the wrong person. I mean, clothes, <laughs> like, I don't know what his style is. Shoes, and like, Right. Like, r- like Riley he came back. As, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put one through, put the other. Um, but like, Riley came back with the outfit that he's wearing in the first issue. And I was like, how did you know exactly what he's wearing? Like, I... <laughs> I I didn't know what it was until I saw it and was like, yeah, of course he looks like that. Of course yeah. he would wear this. That's so cool. That's so awesome. It's amazing. It's oh. it's been fun to sort of see because it's been a while since we've seen Bernard. It's been really fun to see how like Belen and uh Belen and Riley and even Alberto like yeah. add oh, yeah. aspects to to Bernard in the in his current form. Yeah, you, oh, so you've worked good. with some really top talent when it comes to artists, and that's incredible. I mean, I'm I'm just lucky to be here, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the sidelines, hoping that nobody fires me, lets me keep doing my thing. Aren't we all? Aren't we all yeah. just in that spot? We're just, we're just space. <laughs> we're just matters of carbon and just space, and that's all we all need to be. Uh, is oh, there any stardust. any hint of like what you might have in store for Tim that you can give us? Uh, spoiler, but no spoiler. Um, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> fair enough. I mean, spoiler, but not spoiler. Um, <laughs> Will this relationship last? I need to know that now, right now. <laughs> <laughs> I can't have my heart be ripped out later because I really am like really rooting for this, and I'm so I'm so nervous. I hate when I, I get invested like this. <laughs> I know. Isn't it the worst? Isn't it? Isn't it, really really is. the worst? Um, <laughs> what can I tell you? I can tell you, I can tell you that 
no, no. I'm running through. <laughs> Next week. So she's so looking at a Kendrick, call board of like all the stuff that's like, like well, taking I'm him looking, off. <laughs> no exactly. I'm looking at like. I am imagining my editor behind the screen being like, no, <laughs> just, just standing there, just you can't shaking say it. That. Yes. No. Um, next, next issue. So it's coming out next week. Um, yes. Is uh, uh, we get to see a little bit more of a familiar location that's not the marina, and we um, we'll we'll get more Bernard. Hell yeah. Yay! So, <laughs> I'm so happy. Wh- one Ooh. final question before we before we get you out of here. You talked about your love for Steph. We've talked mm-hmm. about Red Robin being a very important time in Tim's life. What are the chances of you using your pull to get those reprinted of Red Robin and <laughs> Steph's Batgirl series? Because I like, love the inquiring I have. Any pull. Bless you. Bless you and bless your heart, as my grandmother would say. You're a superstar. Yes. You are you are very, very quick. You're rocketing up many people's favorite comic writer and that I is very we are kind. definitely on that yeah. on that train for sure. So Thank you so much. That so, means the world. If if you do have any any pull about that Steph Batgirl run, you just let us know. We won't take credit yeah. for it, but you know, who's to say? I, I hear who's to say? Listen, what can I could look through my own personal comics and see if I, <laughs> I can reprint those for you. Just bring it over That's to awesome. the uh, to the Kinkos and just yeah, scan yeah, yeah, on exactly. one page at a time. There's look. not a licensing issue with that. That's not a legal yeah, by any stretch of the imagination. Just, uh, just just for legal purposes, we do have to state that this is in jest. That's an absolute joke. I can't. Simply won't. Yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a blast talking about our favorite boy. Our our disaster by favorite Robin. (laughs) Uh, I know I can speak for Jacob and Malcolm myself. We are super excited for where tim is at and where tim could go and we're really excited to see where you take the character so thank you so much again for coming on the show i appreciate it thank you so much for having me it means a lot thanks absolutely oh wait is one of the spoilers like him eventually becoming batman because that would be just the the thing that's it (laughs) that's all i think this interview is over i think it's over goodbye Welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown. This is the segment of our show where I'll chat you up about all the comics you should be picking up this week, whether it's at your local comic book shop or comiXology or however you get your comics. These are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's books, we got to take a look back at last week's books with the Geek Explain Pick of the Week of last week. And for me, it was Rogues number four, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Leo Max. Uh, this book has been incredible. A tragic noir heist uh use utilizing the best rogues gallery in the game it just it ah it's so good again a book made specifically for me i love it love it love it but that is last week's book this week we've got 12 four five six seven eight ten of 12 books for you to check out so let's go ahead and dive into this Kicking things off with Detective Comics number 1065. This is written by Rom V and Simon Spurrier with art by Raphael Albuquerque and Hayden Sherman. And this book is 
it's it's strange to me okay uh, just go with me here um and also i'm so sorry art by donnie as well danny donnie danny i'm just gonna say danny um this book is interesting it's not at all what i expected it to be um and i'm not sure i i know that it's good right i know that it's really good the art is stellar the writing is fantastic and i don't know if maybe it's just not clicking for me um but there's something about it that i'm not connecting with as well as i have with previous detective comics runs but i recognize that that's a me problem and I'm going to continue to pick this up to, in hopes that I can shake off whatever uh, weird funk I have with this book. But let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. Gotham Nocturne Overture Part 4 The Orgum family has dramatically arrived after traumatic events at the docks in Gotham, and they are ready to reclaim the land that belongs under their name, an English surname you may better know as Arkham. As Bruce Wayne and the young Orgum Prince Arzen discuss how they both want to change Gotham for the better, it seems Batman and the Orgums might have different ways to go about doing so. I do really like the uh, development of that lore. You know I'm a lore hunter, and I like the idea of the Arkhams having this original, you know, immigrant story. Uh, so hopefully this is the issue that turns me around on it. I'm really, I'm hoping so, because I really, I, again, I love the art, and I think that it's a good story. I just wish I connected with it better. Uh, next up is a comic that I don't talk enough about, and it's New Mutants number 31. This is written by Charlie Jane Anders with art by Alberto Jimenez Albuquerque with uh, guest panels by Ted Brandt and Rose Stein. Uh, if you want to go back in the archives, check out our Ted Brandt and Rose Stein interview. They were amazing. We talked all about uh, their work in the Pride specials and previous comics, as well as their creator-owned stuff. Go read Crowded and Rules. But very specifically, this New Mutants uh, issue kicks off the debut in the main uh, X-Men books of a brand new character that being escapade escapade is finally here sheila sexton has made her way to the new mutants roster we knew this was coming i've been waiting for this and i'm very excited to check this out let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis Escapade joins the New Mutants. Hugo and Nebula award-winning author Charlie Jane Anders brings the breakout character of this year's Marvel Voices Pride Anthology to one of the Marvel Universe's most beloved teams. Personally recruited by Emma Frost herself, Sheila Sexton reluctantly joins her fellow mutants on Krakoa in the hope that the X-Men can prevent the death of her best friend. But is Emma telling her the whole truth? Can Sheila adjust to life on the island? Will the New Mutants accept her? Or is this crash course in Krakoan headed for a deadly pileup. Join Escapade and your favorite lovable mutant rap scallions in the start to a wild ride of a three-issue arc with artist Alberto Albuquerque and guest strips by Prides, Rostein, and Ted Brandt. So yeah, I love this. I love that Escapade is getting a big-time uh, a big-time platform like this being part of, I would say, the hottest corner of Marvel Comics right now. Uh, th this is great. Can't wait to pick this up. Next up, we have Action Comics number 1048. This is written by Philip Kennedy Johnson with art by Mike Perkins and David LaFam. And this is continuing the uh, Kal-El Returns arc. And I liked the first two installments. I'm very excited to continue this story. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. Kal-El Returns Chapter 3, Olgren's Heir. 
The epic crossover between Action Comics and Superman Son of Kal-El continues. Superman, Supergirl, Steel, and the rest of the Superfamily have brought the Philosian refugees to the Fortress of Solitude. But before they can show the newcomers the ropes of heroics on planet Earth, a sneak attack from above turns the Arctic Tundra into a war zone. Plus, the march towards Action Comics number 1050 continues when Lex Luthor presents a disturbing deal to Metallo. That's right, we're only two issues away from Action Comics number 1050, and that is going to kick off the brand new status quo for Superman and the Super Family. So make sure you are, uh, if you're into those Superman comics like I am, make sure you're picking this up. Next up, we have Strange number 7. This is written by Jed McKay with art by Marcelo Ferreira. And I love this book. I think it's wonderful. I think it's very, very good. Uh, I love the Clea Strange era. I hope it doesn't go away, even though... We know no spoilers that Doctor Strange is back as the Sorcerer Supreme of Death, uh, but we'll see. I'm hoping that Clea remains as the main character because I really love the dynamic of her as Earth Sorcerer Supreme, so we will just have to see. But let's dive into the synopsis. The Sorcerer Supreme of Death. Clea and Wong have uncovered who is behind the zombie resurrections of the deceased heroes and villains, but they're going to need all the help they can get, including from the Sorcerer Supreme of Death, the Harvest Man. Which we have uh, established is Stephen Strange, uh, rocking the gray hair and beard, which I can't argue with. I really like this book. I think it's wonderful. Go pick this up. Next up, we have Batman Beyond the White Knight number six. This is written and illustrated by Sean Gordon Murphy with uh, colors by Dave Stewart. And this book rules. It just does. Uh <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want me to elaborate? Okay. Uh, I really like the use of Batman Beyond in this world. I love this twist on it. I love the involvement of Nightwing, Red Hood, and the rest of the Bat family in this, because that's something that we didn't really get in the original Batman Beyond. And I, I just, I dig it. I dig it a lot. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. After years of rivalry, it's the showdown you've been waiting for. Jason Todd versus Dick Grayson. Who's the best Robin? Find out this issue. Plus, with the help of an unexpected new ally, Bruce Wayne aims to take Derek Powers down for good. But will the, malevolent, will the malevolent millionaire's newfound powers prove to be too much for the former Batman? That's right, Derek Powers is officially Blight, and I'm very excited for this showdown because the most interesting choice that they've made in this White Knight universe is making Jason the first Robin. Uh, making Dick the second. I really, I think that's so cool and such a new dynamic for the two of them. I know it sounds really simple. Oh, yeah, just switch them. But it's it's giving the potential for a lot of great character interaction. So I'm looking forward to this. Next up, we have The Amazing Spider-Man, number 12. This is written by Zeb Wells with art by John Romita Jr. And this continues this brand new Hobgobbo storyline. The Hobgoblin is back and he's now going to have to fight a Spider-Man with a glider of his own. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. Glider versus Glider. See, I told you. Glider versus Glider. Bomb versus Bomb. Goblin versus Spider. Spidey's new costume is going to be tested in a horrifying crucible. If you thought the tombstone and vulture fights were rough, you ain't seen nothing yet. And that is one thing that I can say about uh, this current Amazing Spider-Man run. Spider-Man has the shit kicked out of him 
a lot, which I kind of love. I kind of love it. I really, really do. And I'm excited to see what this Hobgoblin fight brings to the table. Next up, we have Firepower number 24, written by Robert Kirkman, art by Chris Somney. Uh, this is, I think, going to wrap up the current storyline. I don't know where this puts anybody else, but I am very, very curious to see how this wraps up. Because we've, I mean, I, I sincerely hope this is the end of the story. I hope we've got a lot more issues to come, but we're going to find out. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. End of story arc. Okay, well, that tells you. <laughs> Uh, Owen Johnson has fought to save the world, but will the firepower be strong enough? We are about to get a uh, Goku and Vegeta level beam struggle with fire. I'm going to put that prediction down now, and we will see if that pays off. But Owen's also got to fight a dragon alongside this, so I am very excited. I love this book. I think it is absolutely amazing, and it is my favorite independent comic going on right now. Besides, of course, do a powerbomb. But I I really dig this. I think it's wonderful. And I think you should absolutely be picking this up. Because this book's doing everything that you want from a Robert Kirkman post-Invincible joint. If you love Invincible, you should be reading this book. Next up, we have The Variants, number four. This is written by Gail Simone with art by Phil Noto. And again, I love this book so much. I really sincerely hope that the a Jessica Jones mystery tag keeps being used for stories even past this. I think it's a wonderful uh, idea to essentially turn Jessica Jones into a detective noir protagonist, uh, just dropping her in mysteries like Benoit Blanc or any of the other classic, uh, more classic, I guess, uh, detective heroes and heroines. I think this could be something special, and the variant so far has been very special. So uh, let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. Every time a variant arrives, Jessica loses a little piece of herself. But someone is trying to take everything she has. How can Jessica fight back against an enemy who claims to actually be her? That's real interesting. I'm excited to find out what that means. Uh, I love this book. I think it's wonderful. The art is gorgeous. The writing is superb. You should be reading this. Next up we have, I think very appropriately, Tim Drake Robin number two. Written by Megan Fitzmartin with art by Riley Rosmo. Uh, this book is wonderful. Uh, if the interview that we just went through doesn't get you hyped up enough for it, uh, it's Tim Drake in a murder mystery. What more could you want? I love murder mysteries, and I think this is uh, this is wonderful. I really, really do. Uh, Tim is having the time of his life right now, being part of a video game, his own solo series again. Uh, you should be reading this book for sure. So let's dive into the synopsis. To catch a criminal mastermind, Tim will have to steal a diamond. Oh no, what's gotten into you, Tim? It's Tim Drake like you've never seen him. Plus, a murder most foul at the library. The Gotham Marina is in danger, and Bernard isn't answering Tim's calls. That's very interesting. Uh, we've seen uh, in solicits down the line that the big bad for Tim seems to know a lot about him. So uh, it would make sense that he would strike at Bernard first, or... Gosh, in the worst case scenario, uh, it might be Bernard. I don't know. I don't want to put that out there because I feel like we really uh, 
we we have a good status quo for him, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Next up, we have Exterminators number two. This is written by Leah Williams with art by Carlos Gomez. And this book freaking rules. It's so good. The first issue was incredible. If you want high octane, um, just incredible it's 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 a great book it just it, it's so good having the four heroines be uh dazzler boom boom jubilee and wolverine i think the these ugh, it's so good it's so good and putting them in a grindhouse style action-packed very bloody affair it's just it's incredible and it's a book that is doing something unique among the x books right now so i really enjoy it let's dive into the synopsis Reflections of Deadly Vengeance. Four deadly ex-women find themselves held captive and fighting for their lives, and more importantly, fighting to get revenge on the redacted dead man who did this to them. I love this. I love this book. Uh, You should be picking this up. But the two big books of the week, the books I think you should absolutely be picking up, are first, The Human Target number 8. Written by Tom King, art by Greg Smallwood. Uh, This is the best DC Comics book right now. It just is. I can't explain it. I will not elaborate. It just is. Uh, Let's dive into the synopsis. The brutal Eisner-nominated series continues as time is running out for Christopher Chance to find his murderer. His investigation into the Justice League International takes a violent turn when Rocket Red comes knocking, looking for his friend, Guy Gardner. Yes, baby! We are starting to get some consequences for that uh, that moment with Guy Gardner earlier in the series. Won't spoil it for you, but... Uh, yeah, uh, you could say it was a smashing affair, and I am I am super looking forward to see how this story continues because we're we're heading into the home stretch, heading into the home stretch. We've only got what is it, five issues left, four issues left. That's gonna be great. And the other big book of the week is of course Judgment Day number six, the conclusion to this phenomenal crossover. This event has been fantastic, and I really do believe that uh, it's going to go down as one of the best modern events due to the handling of it, the tie-ins, and just the complexity of it. Uh, Karen Gillan was firing on all cylinders, as well as uh, Valerio Shiti and the rest of the art team. Uh, this book rules. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful event, exactly what Marvel needed. Uh, and I'm excited to see what happens because I genuinely don't know what's going to happen. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. The apocalyptic finale of the event of the year. It's not that nothing will be the same again. It's that unless heroes can find a new way to be heroes, everything will be nothing forever. Ooh, chills. Love that. Uh, but yeah, this book is going to be a hot ticket, so make sure you pick it up. But that does it for this week's Comics Countdown. To recap, we have Detective Comics number 1065, New Mutants number 31, Action Comics number 1048, Strange number 7, Batman Beyond the White Knight number 6, The Amazing Spider-Man number 12, Firepower number 24, The Variants number 4, Tim Drake Robin number 2, Exterminators number 2, The Human Target number 8, and judgment day number six october has been a great month for comics and this week is no different 
And that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is your first time joining us on the Explain podcast and you like what I do here, feel free to subscribe to us on the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a rating and review. We drop new episodes every single Wednesday, and honestly, ratings, reviews, and especially subscriptions really does help me and the podcast out in this weird podcasting algorithm space, raises up our stock, and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners just like you. And if you give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or whatever you want to call it, I will read your review here live on the podcast you can write literally whatever you want i will be forced to read it as long as you give me those five stars i mean the sky's the limit for you and you'll be able to join the likes of our red 13 including seafire nd joshua panels to pixels matt draper burrito man 88 doug from for every kind of geek don swanson that guy brian mouth dork dallas meeks amazing spider fan a lock and az sass and jedi jesse 20 want to say a huge thank you to these fine folks for your reviews and i cannot wait to hear yours also i realized uh this past week that we have a lot of international uh listeners i've mentioned it before on the podcast but uh in the geek explained book club uh from last week and uh the week before we got uh emails from an italian listener if you are an a, a an international listener i've been made aware that your uh your reviews don't show up on Apple Podcasts here in the U.S. So if you have written a review, if you're an international listener to this podcast, first of all, thank you. Uh, let me know. And you have um, written out a review for us, but I don't see it on here. Uh, email me. Send your emails to geeksplain at gmail.com. Screenshot your uh, review, and I will read it here. Because I've realized, or rather, I've been made aware of the fact that being here in the U.S. and using you know my... Uh, Apple Podcasts Connect or whatever, I don't get to see the international reviews. So again, if you've sent one in already, if you're an international listener, you've sent in a review, you haven't heard it read on here yet, email me, geeksplained at gmail.com. Also, if you want to be part of the Geeksplained mailbag, send your emails to geeksplained at gmail.com to have them read on the show. But geeks put Geeksplain Mailbag in the subject header and I will read it here. If you want to keep up to date with the podcast, participate in polls that decide future episodes, or maybe you just want to shoot the shit with me on the latest geeky news because there is a lot of it, uh, feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod. That's at GeeksplainedPod. Uh, more active on Twitter than on Instagram, but I do try to stay up to date with both. Uh, on Twitter, you'll get uh, announcements. Again, like I said, polls that decide future episodes. We did a poll recently to decide my next pitch it. And also, I mean, we'll get to interact. We are, let me check this. As I, uh, as I am recording this right here, we are sitting right at uh 350 we made it to 350 followers on twitter thank you so much to everybody who got us there let's get to 400 if we could get to 400 by the end of the year i would love that so again at geeksplained pod at geeksplained pod on twitter and instagram make sure you follow us there finally uh every single friday we do the geeksplained book club where i alongside my amazing friends you heard them here jacob brown and our third co-host malcolm russell nelson are going through every single issue of every single volume of ultimate spider-man uh 
so far, the past two weeks, we have kicked off the Miles Morales era covering the first two uh, volumes of his adventures, issues 1 through 12. And this week, we're talking Spider-Man. The very first crossover between Peter Parker and Miles Morales. Cannot wait to share that with you. I am so excited for this Friday. So make sure you tune into that this Friday and every Friday because Spidey Fridays are the place to be. And make sure you are there, be there, or be square not a circle. But that is going to do it for this week's episode, and that is going to do it for Geektober Gotham Nights. Thank you so much for going on this journey with me. I loved getting to dive into all four of these characters, Nightwing, Red Hood, Batgirl, and Tim Drake Robin. Um, This has been a blast. I love these characters. I've been really enjoying the game, and I loved getting to just kind of talk about some of the best characters in comics. And also, a huge thank you to Megan Fitzmartin for coming on the show for our grand finale to talk about Robin. I hope you enjoyed uh, listening to her break down her process and why she loves the character as much as I did. Uh, Jacob and I were absolutely giddy when we uh, found out that we would be able to interview her, and she was just an absolute delight. So I cannot wait to have her back on the show down the line, and uh, I can't wait to read more of this Robin run. So... I hope everyone is having a wonderful time. I hope you all have a fantastic and safe Halloween. Uh, Tis the season. Tis the season for having a good time. uh, But make sure you're safe out there. Make sure you're safe. Um, Halloween is a really fun time, but it's also, you know, you got to take care of each other. So just, just do that. Just do that every week. Just do that all the time. But yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this, but... Yeah, so that's going to do it for uh, for Geektober for the month of October. Next week, we are diving straight into uh, November. Not a themed month. It's been a little bit since we uh, haven't done a themed month, but I'm very excited about next week's episode. It's an episode that I've been working on for some time, at least conceptually, and I'm really excited to share it with you because it's going to blend two of my favorite things pro wrestling and comic books so make sure you stay tuned for that next week same geek time same geek channel but for now for the geek explained podcast i have been eric azana thank you so much for listening happy halloween stay safe and we will see you next time